Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports powered by Sikkim365.com. Seam shot. Sixty-five Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Oh, oh, what a <laughs> It off of Travis Hunter's hat. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. One final shot. Fowler Nicolosi chucking it into the end zone. Everybody is there. Is it caught? Is it caught? Colorado State. Dallin Holker makes the catch. It's a subscribe to our youtube channel search 365 sports on youtube brought to you by tfnb your bank for life to the end zone tip and he got it it's touchdown holy toledo stefan jackson does it again 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Third down and goal. Six and a half in the quarter. And a touchdown. Tez Walker. His first touchdown catch as a Tar Heel. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Here we go on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon, 365 Sports. And also, those who are listening or watching us on Sikkim 365, the app, which has been fantastic since it went through its, uh, uh, I guess, strike. And eventually, we got it where it needed to be after a long layoff. And that's been a few months ago, but glad to have you. However you do consume what we do on an everyday basis. Paul Catalina to my left, Craig Smoke to my right. Today, Jack Owen and Garrett in the studio helping to run the mothership, and of course, Emery and Levi, a part of what we do too. Here is uh, from Max Olsen. He's been doing this for the last, I think, about four years. It's called 
the college football defensive stop rate. And the stop rate basically is how many times, uh, based on the number of drives you face as a defense, does the drive of your opponent end in a punt, a turnover, or turnover on downs? In other words, they don't score. Here are the top 10 defenses. We can discuss them along the way. Leave that up for a little bit, Garrett. Thank you. Uh, there's two of those teams, two and uh, one and four, that play each other. Eventually, they both will also play number two. There's Duke, who, of course, is a heavy favorite this weekend to beat overrated Florida State. Utah, that's not a surprise. Iowa, absolutely not a surprise. There's Oklahoma at number seven. UCLA, Wisconsin, and then Georgia at number 10. Yeah, UCLA stop rate didn't mean much this week when I picked them to beat Oregon State. So uh, I say that uh, very bitterly. Uh, any team on this list that's played Iowa is probably uh, it, like Wisconsin has a great stop rate, although Iowa's uh, obviously a lot better. But yeah, I like um, I like this that he does because it shows, um, you know, really how effective your defense has been. And Penn State uh, had shut out Iowa. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's on their resume. They also had another shutout against UMass last week. I think they have uh, two shutouts and then a couple games where they've given up three points uh, on their schedule. So Penn State's defense under James Franklin has been legit. Ohio State's defense finally uh, under Jim Knowles has, has taken on the personality that he had when he was at Oklahoma State. And those two teams play this week, but they both have really solid offenses too. I, I think it's going to be an interesting like teeter-totter of what that game could be. Yeah, it ought to be a great game. Um, I mean, no real surprises here. Uh, Not at all. Teams that, you know, have good defenses are at the top of the defensive rankings. And I guess, you know, just one departure from uh, a year ago, particularly that stands out is Oklahoma. Um, wouldn't expect to see them anywhere near here the last few years, but there they are at number seven. So that's just a, another sign of the great job that Brent Venables has done in retooling that entire team and uh, particularly their defense. But, yeah, a lot of uh, – just solid defenses on this list, and um, you know, interesting to see that uh, some of these teams, especially there at the top of the Big Ten, are going to have to start uh, taking on each other. So, looking forward to that. There could be some sixteen to fourteen. Of course, the weather uh, once they play too. Although Ohio State and Penn State play this weekend, but the the weather at some point starts to affect that a little bit. And there's four teams, as you mentioned, right there from the Big Ten. Okay, so Oklahoma is in the top ten. So who? And where are the teams in the Big 12 ranked? 131, I believe, FBS schools. Texas is at 20. Iowa State, 3-1 and one in the conference at 69%. We won't go over the percentages you see them, but there's the drop, 39 TCU, then West Virginia, who's won some games because of their defense, except when it comes to a Hail Mary. BYU, 52. Look how low. These teams are Oklahoma State, K-State, that's got to be driving uh, Coach um, uh, climbing crazy, Texas Tech, 79, Houston, Cincinnati, where Baylor plays this weekend, UCF, Baylor, and Kansas, all in the 100 range. Not a surprise considering all the points and in, in the yards they've given up. Yeah, Kansas' defense still is not um, scary at all. Um and you know Baylor. I mean, like I was surprised. I was surprised to see anybody in the Big Twelve behind Baylor on, on stop rate. To be quite honest with you, and we we saw UCF uh, there as well. Um, they can't they can't stop the run at all. That's uh, I guess not really surprising. I mean, uh, Texas seems about right. I would if you could have told me they were higher, I'd probably would have believed that. Uh, Iowa State, I could have believed that they were a little bit higher. Everybody else, I'm not a lot surprised. But maybe West Virginia seems a little bit low, just based on kind of how we talk about their defense. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to see that. I don't think anybody's really feeling all that great outside of maybe OU, Texas, Iowa State, TCU starting to come around, West Virginia. I think that's kind of where I stopped getting, like, super confident in the defenses. Um, but, you know, BYU, Oklahoma State, K-State all have their moments. Tech did against Baylor. Although, you know, what was that? Was that really the defense as much as it was Baylor's offense? Um, but regardless, they've had some moments as well. Um, and then the bottom five, um, you know, th- there's been massive struggles. And I guess you can include, you know, Tech, K-State in there if you want to. Um uh, to some extent, but yeah, the the bottom. Not surprised at all to see UCF there. Not surprised at all. I, I am surprised that Cincinnati's not a little bit um, higher. If I was just guessing, I, I thought that they'd maybe be a little bit higher. Not eighty two, but um, there they are. But yeah, the the, the UCF Baylor Kansas. That's just uh, atrocious defense being played, and uh, we've given a lot of talk about or a lot of time to the, the Bears in particular, and we've said plenty about UCS defense. Probably haven't said enough about KU struggles on that side of the ball, but that's been overshadowed by the quarterback situation. So, yeah, um, not a lot of great defense being played in a conference that a couple of years ago we thought was going to be turning the page towards bo- being more of a defensive conference, and uh, that's just not uh, you know the way that it's lined up, at least this year. Yeah, How good is Jalen Daniels that when he plays in games, you forget that Kansas's defense is that bad? Yeah, yeah, that's that's how good he is. Yeah, what's the name of the LSU quarterback? Daniel. All right, uh, you know where LSU is in this list? I'm just curious. Probably awful. Way down there. Just guess. Uh, Out of 131 teams, I would say right now they're probably about 97th. I don't think it's that low. Well, it Uh, feels like it. No, it it might be that low. I I had the list of them. I think they're like 79. That's unacceptable. LSU at 79. I mean, it's like you could always – but for the longest time, they would win games with their defense, but they couldn't score. And right. now they can score, and the defense, of course, has been atrocious. So there we are with that, the stop rate. That is not always – you know, you could have a team that has a really good defense and still not win. Iowa, I mean, that's what keeps them in the games, and that's how they win, no matter sometimes the jokes about what they do on offense. couple of awards for Ollie Gordon the second. From Oklahoma State, he won the Campbell Award this week. That was announced earlier today. The Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award. Oklahoma State running back also today won the Doak Walker Weekly Award for his performance for Oklahoma State in their win against Kansas. Yeah, we talked about it a lot yesterday. I mean, he's the driving force in that offense right now, and they've uh, obviously settled in on Alan Bowman, and they've got some you know good skill guys. Uh, but Ollie Gordon's been the, the conductor of that train the last, uh, I don't know, three weeks or so, give or take. And to have 100-plus yards rushing and receiving, uh, to score in both ways, uh, that was huge in that win over Kansas. Obviously, we've you know, already dunked on Kansas' defense, but still it's an impressive feat and you know had some competition from the likes of Josh Hoover at TCU who you know could have gotten it and that would have been fair. But I think any time a running back's got 100 receiving, 100 rushing, However, that gets done and scores both ways, uh, that's a pretty special performance. And it was against the top 25 Jayhawks team at the time. So uh, that was a big win for Oklahoma State, and that's helped turn some of the perception uh, over these uh, last couple weeks. But particularly that win over Kansas makes it feel like they're starting to get something strung together potentially. So, yeah, he's been a great bright spot for them and uh, a much bigger uh, factor than I think maybe uh, a lot of people figured he would be at this stage. By the way, that hat is my favorite hat. Craig, go back to that, Garrett. That hat Craig wears. We had one yesterday. Someone wanted to know why you weren't wearing a Rangers hat. Maybe we'll have that opportunity at some point here 
in the next few weeks, they have to still take care of business I, up two games to none against I, the Strohs. I say no Rangers hat until they're in I the agree. series. Yeah. I agree. I, I absolutely don't, agree. Don't reward them for going halfway. No, I, they, they have yeah. to get back, which they did in 10 and 11, but we know the consequences in 2011 that still scar me to this day. I mean, I thought about the fact there's a lot of Astros fans that watch. I don't really care about that. I don't care about anybody getting ticked off about what I wear. But, um, yeah, I'm not going to wear something halfway through the series. Um, and I don't even know if I'd wear it before a World Series title, honestly. Uh, just because at this point I I don't want to jinx anything, even though I don't really believe in that. You've been through some stuff. I mean, you don't want to. Yeah. yeah, any like uh, I one use, of the worst World Series meltdowns of all time. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Twice. I I very much believe when, especially when it comes to baseball and the Bull Durham rules about superstitions. If you think you're winning because of whatever you think you're winning, then you are. Like that's right. that's why I've not been on here. Rare, I've worn mm. a Ranger's hat on occasion, but I've not like very been rarely. wearing. It's yeah. been very rare, and I'm not going to start now that they're on the run that they're on. Yeah. All right, Garrett. We're going to start with four back to back to back. We'll discuss in between. Not yet, but Steve Berkowitz, Ross Dellinger, either one, and then also from Paul Catalina from a uh, a comment he made today on a senator. Let's start with uh, Steve Berkowitz. They had yet more. And I'm sorry, but I want to get a pillow and take a nap. But there are NIL hearings again today. Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, says that absent congressional action, he thinks Division two and three schools will get rid or get out of college sports without some sort of help when it comes to NIL. Do you believe that? Uh, no. I, I, I think that's... Fatal. I I think that's fatalistic talk. Why would Division three get out of it when they're non scholarships? Any, any I mean, like what? I mean, yeah. I mean, the the thing is, is that their their employee base, so to speak, is guys who aren't getting offered money to go play college sports. I mean, now, granted, if you make it a rule that you have to make them all employees, then maybe. But I do think that there would have to be some new like. That's part of the problem is that we're not good at nuance as Americans or maybe as human beings, but there's got to be some nuance of the rule that acknowledges the differences between the the levels of college athletics. That's part of the problem with Title IX in that it didn't it hasn't recognized the differences between an 85 scholarship sport like football and everything else and a sport that makes money much like everything else and so you're trying to count one for one when maybe that's not a, a fair way to grade it because football lives in a realm outside of everything else it's mm -hmm. so different than everything else it's different than baseball and all that so i think that's a little bit of fatalistic talk I think they'd find a way, but that also speaks to don't just pass any bill that has the two, three things that you want it in the most. Pass the best thing that works for everyone. The problem is we're not dealing with the best and brightest that we've ever had in Washington right now. And, go, Craig, uh, okay, St. Uh, Joseph's AD, Jill Bodensteiner, a witness at the hearings today, asked an important question. This is from Ross Dellinger. Why are all the NCAA athletes in jeopardy of becoming employees based largely on the issues of just one sport? Yes. Good question, Jill. Like I just said, football is different. It needs to be treated different. And maybe men's basketball is different and it needs to be treated different. And maybe women's basketball is starting to become different and you can treat it differently. But outside of that, I mean, I've, I'm I'm I failed to seeing where the college are model is hearings, not working. Are there even hearings if this wasn't football? No, no, of course not. No, that, there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. No, it's that's she asked an excellent question.
Uh, here's one more from Ross. Ole Miss Collective Director Walker Jones on collectives and recruiting. We do not participate in the recruiting process. That is best left to the coaches and athletic departments under the strict watch of the NCAA. Do you believe him? I, I mean, I might believe him individually that he doesn't. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, he might have a reason to lie or not, but I would believe maybe individual collectives. I don't think that it's that way everywhere else, which is why there's need for regulation. And there's also need for, even if there is regulation, you need to set up as an athletic department of, look, you need to let us go get the players that we want to go get. And when we identify those people and you come in, that's where the role is to to do that and to help them through the collective, not, hey, I've got a kid down in uh, Baton Rouge that I want you to go sign. Well, if he's not a fit, then, you know, you can read on3.com all you want and see how good this kid is. But if it doesn't fit Ole Miss, then you, you don't need to get him. All right. And, uh, Garrett, I just sent you a, a tweet. I know my hand was on. Here's Paul Catalina. Okay, no, we're good. Okay, this is good. So, Ross Dellinger, Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, Utah is offering everybody on the team a new truck. Uh, th- there is no end to this. He goes on, of course, to discuss all of what's going on with the NAL. Paul Catalina's response at the top. Paul? I would like Senator Graham to explain the difference, or please clarify the differences between an NIL collective, and a super PAC. I have plenty of time for this clown to tell me how it's different. That the worst thing that's happening is some kids in Utah are getting a truck. Do you know what kind of awful things some super PACs represent? They're giving you millions of dollars to make sure you can dump crap in the water? Like, let's be reasonable here, Lindsay. I, like... And I'll get into like a short political soapbox here. It is so strange that right now we are asking people to regulate us and regulate our lives in their line of work. They are regulated none. They don't have term limits. They can trade stocks with secret information and have no punishment. Like there are many things that Congress can do that we're not allowed to do. And we're asking them, these snakes and clowns, to regulate us. I'm sorry. Go jump off a bridge. I mean, it's just. I'll ask you a question. uh, If that was a Democratic senator, would you feel the same way? I feel the same way about all of them. I want to make sure before somebody asks that question. All of them. There are 435 or whatever there are members in the House. And there's 100 senators. And none of them are working for us right now because we don't make them and it is ridiculous what we have let congress fall into and we have people like this asking questions like this when you ask them one about their own lives lindsey graham and all these senators have been these huge super PAC meetings with taking money for their campaigns it doesn't matter who they get the money from they just do it what's the worst thing that's going to happen when you give a kid a truck he's going to have a truck for six months while he's playing college football come on yeah, it's all dirty, and that's why I just I have so little interest in, in this just dog and pony show. And I don't even know if that's the correct term for it, really. I, I think that there are things trying to you know get done, and I think there's some good intentions because I do think that some people see the writing on the wall as far as the damage this could do to the overall landscape, not to Ohio State or to Michigan, but to you know those who aren't blessed with hundreds of thousands of alumni and billions of dollars and all of that. Um, I agree with Paul. Um, you know, it's just it's crooks talking about you know um, you know things that they're just uh, you know I don't think I, I I just I think it's it's, it's a bunch of garbage uh, like he pre- pretty much just said. And the Utah thing, um, those are leases. 
Yep. They don't even own those trucks. Like they, box said in the chat They don't room. get yep. those trucks for life. So those are leases while they're football players, and then once they're not, those trucks are going back to the dealership. So it's not even like that even great of a deal, honestly. It's great for the time you're there, but – you know, then you're eventually going to have to pay for it. It's not as though they just gifted that away. And I did wonder when I saw the video of, like, did they make people aware of that or did they tell them after the fact? Because, man, what a letdown of, like, here's this brand-new truck. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is a lease, and it's not really yours unless you find a way to pay it off. But, yeah, I I think – this whole thing is just such a crock. I mean, honestly, we're getting up in arms a bunch of just uh, crooks uh, over kids getting leased trucks for playing college football. I think it's just ridiculous. Uh, from Brock Preach Paul, wet blanket, 100% Paul. Very well said, Paul, from Brock. Also, um, let's see, uh, Graham is certainly one of the massive clowns. This is great stuff. Peach, Preach Paul. Howdy, everyone. Uh, I, I can't even get to them all. There's a bunch. There's a couple. That Senator Graham is primarily concerned with bombing. Uh, preach, brother, all around the way. Uh, and then more and more and more preaching the truth. Paul, absolutely well said, everyone afternoon. And so there you are with that. All right, Sam Kahn, The Athletic, uh, on A&M and where they are. And an article about, is this all they're going to get? Is there anything that really has changed? If you look at their record since they joined the SEC with all the money they spent or they get compared to what they were in the Big 12, that doesn't mean they're not trying, but are they trying and are they doing it the right way? Sam Kahn and more today on 365 Sports. Stonewood Dental Robinson, Texas, Dr. Steve Childress. My dentist, I'm glad he is. I have an appointment at the end of this month to go and have that back left molar that had to get kind of just tweaked a little bit because, it well, it, it, it cracked. Uh, one of those things I waited too long to get fixed, and Dr. Childress did. But I still have to, at some point, get a crown. Uh, like a, a, Not a temporary, but the full-blown thing, and maybe even have to have a root canal. If I ever in the past, up until the last three to four years, if someone at a dentist office told me anything about the possibility of a root canal, I was out. Okay, out. And now I've paid the price in the last three to four years. And Dr. Steve Childress has helped me, just like getting ready for an opponent, have a game plan of how to get through this, that, to play catch-up. It's not a lot of fun. But when he's the one in the chair, and he's the one working on my dental work, and he's the one that's done so much work on what I have, I trust him to tell me what I need to do next when it comes to dental work. Dr. Steve Childress, Stonewood Dental in Robinson, Texas. During Jeep Adventure Days, Alan Samuels in Waco is celebrating with an incredible line of 2023 models like the Grand Cherokee, Renegade, Wrangler, and Gladiator. Come see what Alan Samuels can offer you and your family and find the Jeep SUV that fits your lifestyle. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943, and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths in tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500-square-foot showroom has over 1,000 new 
new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quickcrete, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at goarmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Sam Kahn will join us here momentarily on 365 Sports on an article he wrote yesterday about Texas A&M. Also, uh, later on in the show, we'll have it's Tuesday, Tuesdays and Thursdays, Craig and off the radar at about 445 plus Paul Catalina and his top five every weeknight between uh, right around 545. We're now joined by Sam Kahn, TheAthletic.com, did an article about A&M. They lost to Tennessee uh, they're in most every game they play, even the ones they lose. And there is the, the question about, is this all they are? This is who they're going to be. And Sam joins us on 365 Sports. Sam, what do you what do you feel like? Just another loss. It seems like it's always, or it appears to be, yet again, an offense that just doesn't seem to produce. Yeah, the 277 yards and 13 points against Tennessee. When you consider the amount of talent on the roster, uh, how many four-star offensive linemen they have, how many four- and five-star receivers they have, uh, how many four- and five-star running backs they have. The fact that you could only garner 13 points in 277 yards against Tennessee, which Tennessee's they're good, but I, I didn't see a team that I thought was dominant or overbearing. That's, that's an indictment on, really, in my opinion, the coaching and, and the scheme because – there's no when, when I watch A and M as a team. There's no question to me about the talent they have. Uh, 
I think they have all the talent you could want. And, and they have a roster that looks like uh, Alabama or LSU's. It's, it, they have, they are at that level now in terms of the way they've recruited. And it shows, you look at the defensive line. The defensive front they have has got to be one of the best out there. Uh, Max Olson, my colleague, did a, a story earlier today about uh, their stop rate, and they've been one of the best defenses in the country the last, ever since the Miami game. The Miami game was they, – they kind of struggled, but ever since that game, they've been one of the better units in the country. Uh, but the defense can only carry you so far if you can't score any points. Against Alabama the week before, 306 yards and 20 points. That's not enough. It's not enough for Jimbo Fisher, Bobby Petrino, everybody on that side of the ball. They've got to do a better job on that side of the ball without question. All right, Sam, let's get down to brass tacks. So if they're going to find $76 million um, to buy out Jimbo Fisher, the question remains, Do you? how do you find a coach that can recruit to the level that he has, which he has clearly, like you said, done well, but is also innovative enough on both sides of the ball to where that pays off and you actually contend in your conference? That's the hard part about it is in, because – the one thing Jimbo Fisher does do really well is recruit. And they are at a level in terms of talent that they have never been in the modern internet recruiting era. I think the, the Kevin Sumlin's last five classes average rank was around 11th in the country. Jimbo's average class in the last five cycles is about six. So you're recruiting at a top six, top seven level nationally which that is that puts you in the national championship conversation. But what what do you have all that talent for if you cannot maximize it, if you can't utilize it? So that's what makes this conversation so interesting because Jimbo can get you the players, but they haven't been able to do everything that you want them to do with them. They haven't been able to win an SEC title. They haven't even been able to go to the SEC championship game, um, much less much less win it. Uh, and, and this is a program that has championship aspirations. And now they have, when you have the money, you have the facilities, you have the fan support, and oh, by the way, you have the talent now, you want to be able to do that. And, and that, that's the question. I don't, I don't think there is an easy answer that if you were to make a move, who do you go get? I mean, it's, you, you, they went and hired a coach who won national championship because that was their, their aspiration. And so far he hasn't gotten it done. So where do you go after that when it doesn't work? That's a great question that, I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make that decision. Sam, would things be talked about differently right now, you think, if Connor Wegman had stayed healthy? And even then, is it kind of a situation almost like at Baylor right now where, like, injuries aren't even an excuse at this point? Uh, Could it be different? Yes, because he is a better player than Max Johnson, in my opinion. Uh, Could he have helped you uh, engineer some more points in the last two losses? Certainly. I think so. But do I do I think that you should throw the season away or discount the entire season because Max Johnson is a quarterback? No, because I don't see I don't see Max Johnson, even though he is not of the level of Connor Wegman, who's a former five star, Max Johnson's not a bad quarterback. Right. He 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 does have some flaws. He holds on to the ball a little bit long, uh, which with this offensive line is a little bit of a problem because they have struggled to protect him. Uh, you know he's he's had some bad picks in the last couple of games, but he's a capable quarterback to me. He's when, when you protect him, you give him time. He can pick a defensive part and and he can make it happen. And they they have enough talent around him 
that it shouldn't be that big of a deal to still be, go out there and score some points. Certainly he's good enough to get you more than 13 points against Tennessee, in my opinion. To me, I think they make it harder on him because I don't see as many easy throws or quick developing plays for him. When's the last time Texas A&M ran a jet sweep? You know, something to Anaya Smith or Evan Stewart, something quick and easy to get the ball in their hands and not put all the pressure on your quarterback to take a three- or five-step drop and then have pressure in his face and throw the football. They've got to do a better job of making it easier on him because they have all the weapons and talent around him. So if they can't protect, buddy, there's, there's, I, can, I can list you a long list of teams over the years who have not been able to protect but have been able to score points because you, you play to your strength and get the ball to your playmakers as quickly as you can. I don't think it's that hard, and that to me is where it, the indictment comes back on the coaching. Yeah, it seems like they're coaching offense scared. And I don't know if that's the right word, but it, it's incredibly, it appears to be uh, conservative. And you mentioned just a simple jet sweep. I don't know. I don't keep up with that. But do you feel like that they're just trying to win games 20 to 17 every week? Yes, that, is, that feels like Jimbo Fisher in a nutshell. You know, he talks about winning the game of inches, and sometimes I, I understand that concept, and I think I don't think there's anything wrong with it per se, but I feel like sometimes he plays and coaches not to lose as opposed to actually winning. And what is the point of having a talent advantage over somebody if you're not going to utilize it? Mm-hmm. And what drives me nuts is the last two weeks, They've, their defense has gotten a stop on third down late in the second quarter with about 90 seconds to go in the half. And both times the opponent was around midfield, so the punt was going to end up putting you you know, back inside your own 20. But with multiple timeouts in this pocket, instead of calling the timeout with a minute 30 to give your offense some time to maybe try and run, go downfield and maybe get a field goal before the half, he decided both times to let the to let the opponent run 40 seconds off the clock, punt the ball with about 45 seconds, and then take a knee and go and walk for a half time. Both times, A&M had the lead. They had led Alabama by seven. They led Tennessee by three at halftime. Uh, and he was content to take that lead into the locker room. I, I, I wonder why not with the talent you have, why not take a little bit of a gamble and say, hey, let's see if we can add to this lead. Let's see if we can create something. What, what if Anaya Smith, Gets uh get gets the punt and returns it a little bit. What if what if the ball goes off the side of the punter's foot and you get good field position? Any number of things could happen if you save yourself the time instead of pocketing five timeouts in the last two first halves. But that there's he hit Jimbo's position is that well they're going to pin us deep and I would rather take a knee and not risk us making a mistake because then what and then if we go three and out and they have all their timeouts well they can go back and score and I just I don't like that philosophy uh, of coaching because again you have so much talent why not try to utilize and I could understand that a little bit more against Tennessee because of how bad the protection was and they were a little bit deeper in their own territory but against Alabama when there was a 17-10 and they did have some momentum and the offense was running pretty well in the first half to me that I was like why wouldn't you go add to that lead why wouldn't you go try to get another three or even another seven and try to give yourself some space at a time when Alabama was struggling to protect its own quarterback. Yeah, Sammy, you know, the fourth down thing is a hu- is huge too. He never he never ever goes for it on fourth down. Um it's it, it's like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do analytics. That's that's kind of clear. Uh and you know, I guess there's good and bad with that. But also um you know, uh, has he seen some of these other offenses that, you know, if you 
pin them at you know at the seven their own 17 yard line if they've got 90 seconds they're not worried about it because they think they can get at least enough to where if they punt it back you they can pin you on your 17 yeah and that goes back to confidence that goes back to in the confidence of, of your team and your players and clearly there's not because if if they had the confidence they could do it then they would go out there and try to try to go get 30 40 yards and get in the field goal position or or like you said at least change the field position to where the other team won't be able to score. And I think it speaks to the offensive line issues. This, this is a, a, a Texas A&M offensive line that has uh, allowed probably more pressure than just about anybody in the SEC and certainly one of some of the most pressured quarterbacks in the country belong to A&M. You go back and look at the PFF numbers, I think Max Johnson and Connor Redman both ranked pretty high in terms of how many pressures they face uh, from opposing defenses. So I understand that. And so you're coaching that way. But the fact that you are at that place right now with this team, with the talent you have, again, is an indictment on either evaluation of the recruits you brought in or development of the players that you signed. Because something is lost transition because all these guys they have on the on this offense, they were all recruited by other SEC programs. They were recruited by other Blue Blood programs. These are not guys that Jimbo and his staff were just taking flyers on. These were legitimately, again, the team talent composite, A&M is number four in the country in, in talent. So they, they, the talent is there. So there's either it's an evaluation issue or it's a development issue or it's a coaching issue or it's a combination of the three. And and when you have that issue and you don't have the confidence to go send your team out to go try to get some points before halftime, then that tells me that, that if you don't have the confidence, something is seriously, seriously wrong. Sam, one other A&M question, and we appreciate your time as always and love the article. Is that, So it almost sounds like, without you saying this, that they're coaching scared. On offense. Yeah. I mean, I think the last – I don't see how in the last two first halves, at the end of the last two first halves, how you can come up with any other any other conclusion. Because, again, the, and, and like I said, I understood the Tennessee thing. Because they were, I think, at their own 11. And Max Johnson was really taking some hits. And, and they were pressuring mm-hmm. the heck out of him. So I kind of understood that one. A little bit more, but Alabama, the one, I just man, when you let when, when you have that team and you know what a win against Alabama would do for your program, you have a chance to capitalize. You have a chance to open up a lead. And th- you know how many yards Alabama had rushing in the first half against Texas A and M minus thirteen. They had negative thirteen rushing yards in the first half against A and M, and so you had a team that was vulnerable at that point. And granted, they threw the ball all over the yard against A and M defense, but they were not having much success stopping him either. And I just – it, it, Jimbo's mentality, I think, has often been, you know, let's play it safe. That's the way he coaches. You go back, Paul mentioned the fourth downs. He has gone fourth down once each of the last two weeks, and they failed both times. And <laughs> That makes me think that he's probably not going to do it a lot more. But if you go back and look through the numbers, even when he was at Florida State, when he had national championship winning teams, Florida, uh, Florida State under Jimbo went – fourth down fewer than just about any other program in the country uh, at that time. And then that kind of has carried over to A&M. I did a, when he got hired at A&M, I did run, ran those numbers because I was curious and people had said he rarely goes for it. And I looked at it and it was true. He, he really does go for it less than most coaches do uh, in the country. Like, and I'm talking ranking in the bottom, like 120, uh, you know, in the 120s and, you know, I guess now it would be close to 130, but he, that that is his philosophy, and that is the way he has, has tried to win games, and it worked a lot 
first time at FSU for a good while. But at, at A&M, when they're playing the SEC West, you're playing against the Alabamas and the LSUs and some of these other programs that have the talent level that is commensurate with the one that you have. It doesn't always work that way, and it hasn't worked out really well for them at A&M so far. Sam, just one uh, not a and question for me. I just wanted your thoughts on that Houston win the other night over West Virginia and just your thoughts on that craziness. And was that a situation where Houston fans celebrated immediately and they were like, oh, dang, we kind of wanted Dana to lose this game because <laughs> we don't love him. They're, they're in kind of a, a pickle, aren't they? Uh, you know, it's interesting because they're 3-3 three and three now and you look at their schedule and you think to yourself, this is a team that could potentially go to a bowl game. Uh, you look at the back half of their schedule, they've got Baylor, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State in November. Uh, you would feel like those are winnable games for them, potentially, if they play the way they did against West Virginia. I was surprised to see what I saw from Houston last Thursday night. They played the best ball for four quarters that I've seen them play all season long. They look nothing like they did against Rice. They look nothing like they did against TCU. Nothing like they did against Texas Tech. They look like a competent team for four quarters. And then they <laughs> kind of let it all fall apart in the last seven minutes, but came up with a miracle finish. Um, it was certainly one of the most exciting innings I've seen. And, yeah, with Dana Holgerson, certainly there's been a lot of frustration there. But if he goes 6-6 six and six and gets to a bowl game, I think that's that's an accomplishment. With consider When we consider how these newcomers have fared in the Big 12, uh, so far and, and how much of an adjustment it is in terms of talent and depth and going through this type of schedule for, for 12 weeks. If Houston goes 6-6, six six, gets to a bowl game, I think that's an accomplishment, and it's a positive now. To, some fans are going to get a little antsy and upset about that, maybe. But but I think uh, this week against Texas will set a little bit more of a mood, too. Right. How competitive are you? I don't expect Texas to – I don't expect Houston to, to win this game. I don't expect Houston to honestly be even close in this game. I think the talent differential is pretty substantial. But if they are, if they can make it interesting, uh, maybe you can get yourself some positive momentum. Uh, and and I think that's really what's important. It, it's in less a win total, it's more of a mood. How are they playing? How are they executing? Are they doing what they're supposed to do? And if you, if you can start to put some weeks together and string some weeks together where you're playing the type of football that you think you should play, then maybe you can start to rebuild this thing and, and start moving the trajectory back in the right direction. Just curious, but what's the excitement level that you gather as far as them hosting Texas? I mean, they could have had this at NRG and made a lot more money and had a lot more people. It probably would have been a heavy Longhorn crowd, but being on campus, the only time this is likely ever going to happen, is there a little bit of a buzz for that? Oh, big time. It, it's going to be the biggest biggest game in TDECU Stadium history, without question. Uh, it's the hottest ticket. They're sold out. There's only standing room, only tickets, I think, or all that's left at this point. And this is something Houston fans have wanted really, really badly. The last time Texas came to play Houston on campus was 2001. And, uh, it, it, you know, Texas hasn't been back since. Texas didn't really want to come back for, for some reasons that I'll write about later this week uh, with the bleacher fiasco that happened uh, at Robertson Stadium back then. But uh, this is one that, that Houston has wanted really, really bad. They're going to get one shot at it because I don't anticipate these programs are going to play again anytime in the near future. Uh, so, yeah, this, this is the one. I think Dana Holgerson said it on Monday morning that a lot of fans have told him, hey, if you don't win any other game on the schedule, please win this one. So there's a lot of excitement uh, in Houston for the Longhorns coming in town. Sam, what do you think about the short and long-term future of Dave Aranda at Baylor right now? God, it's, it's so tough to say because I think – when I look at it, the team has been really – they played really poorly. I mean, outside of outside of 
you know, a quarter and a half against UCF with that rally to come back and win, they just really haven't garnered much enthusiasm. You don't look at the team and you don't see an edge and you don't see an energy that I think we saw two years ago when they won the Big 12 title. I wonder if even the talent level is even there anymore. Like, I don't, I don't know that I see the same talent level that I saw two years ago on that roster. Um, there's a chance here to bounce back, though. I mean, you, you look at the schedule and, you know, with Cincinnati and you got Houston on it, you know, and you got Iowa State on it, although Iowa State's playing a lot better right now than they were at the start of the year. But you, they've got to win something. They've got to get some momentum uh, because I think there are certainly a lot of fair questions about Aranda and what the direction of this program is long-term against uh, under his watch because he's had one really good year, which was the Big 12 championship year. And, you know, a lot of that talent that was on that championship team was not necessarily talent that he brought on the roster. Uh, so I think those are fair questions to ask about, you know, what is Baylor football under Dave Miranda? And is this sustainable long-term? I think what happens down the stretch here and how they finish is going to be really crucial I don't get the sense, and you guys probably know better than I, I don't know that Macros and, and, and leadership wants to have to make a change at the end of this year, but you, the, the results have to be better when, than what they are on the field right now. They, they, you cannot be losing 25 points at home to Texas Tech. You can't be losing 22 points at home to, or 32 points at home to Texas. You've got, you can't lose at home to, to Texas State by mm-hmm. double digits. You just, it, it, that is just not okay. This is a program, a Baylor program, that has won three Big 12 championships under three different head coaches in the last decade plus. This is a program that can compete at a high level, and for them to be playing the way they are, I can only imagine is unacceptable to the fans there. And so the, the way this team finishes and the way they come out these next five, six weeks is going to be really crucial and is going to think be really instructive about what the future of this program is under Dave Aranda. Sam, as always, thank you, buddy. Appreciate your time. Somebody in the chat room said they love your work. Appreciate your uh... – Ability to, to get to stories and, and do what you do. Sam Kahn with The Athletic. And that also teases a story. We're going to go to TCU tight end Jared Wiley from Temple here in a, in a second. Uh, Bruce Feldman today did his uh, midseason update on various coaches. And with Dave Aranda being a part of that, he mentioned the temperature check is lukewarm. Some said hot. Some said medium warm. Some said cool. Um that, uh, again, as Sam mentioned, with the schools he mentioned, Iowa State, Houston, and uh, also, uh, oh, my goodness, I forgot the other one, that there are opportunities to get one, Cincinnati this weekend. Uh, but, uh, man, you got to win those. And I thought of what I saw from Houston, they their athleticism and speed is dangerous, maybe not for like half the teams in the league, but I think it will be dangerous if Baylor hasn't put things together by the time they do play the Cougars. They're on the road this week to Cincinnati, then back home against Iowa State, who has kind of turned their season around like Oklahoma State. Um, We have a a couple of notes later in the show, one from Dabo Sweeney on Clemson fans and expectations, and also one from Shane Beamer at South Carolina who got mad and is suffering the consequences physically for that. We're now joined by TCU tight end Jared Wiley, NFL prospect, former Temple quarterback, who joins us, Paul Craig and David Smoke at 365 Sports. And we've had Jared on this show multiple times. We appreciate the time. How critical and and kind of a boost was getting that win this past weekend to kind of maybe put things back in perspective about what this team at TCU can do? Yeah, you know, that, that win was big time for us. Um, we had just came off a tough, tough two-loss streak. Um, 
you know, that was a really, that was a really hard one to go through at, uh, in Iowa. So, um, I, I think it was just like a, like a gut check and a confidence boost for, for the players and the coaches here. Jared, you obviously had to switch quarterbacks this week because Chandler Morris got hurt and you guys were in, in a funk for a couple of weeks. How much did that moment allow you to kind of rally around like, okay, let's refocus and, and re, reboot here as we head towards the back half of the season? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously you never, you never want your starting quarterback to go down like Chandler did. Um, but, you know, Josh came in and did a great job for us. Um, he, he's really done a good job of just being very mature for how young he is and um, how little experience he has. He's done a great job of just understanding our offense and understanding the guys that he has around him. So, um, you know, we just kind of – we kind of use, use having a new quarterback, um, you know, kind of as a reset for us and to, to try to get rolling before the bye week. Jared, did you feel like you guys, whether unintentionally or not, brought some not uh, bad baggage necessarily, but baggage from last year? Did you feel like there was maybe too much carryover, and did it take some time to kind of learn, like, hey, this is a new team, a new season, and all of that? Or did you feel like y'all had that kind of perspective right away? No, you know, I, I think um, I think that you know, kind of early on, I think we did a poor job of just understanding that. Um, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball that we're very young in a lot of, um, in a lot of positions. And those, those guys that are having to step up, um, they were left with big shoes to fill from, from the guys from last year. And uh, I think, you know, I, you know, I, I take responsibility for a lot of it. I didn't do a good job. And a lot of us old, older veteran guys didn't do a good job of letting it be known, like, Hey, you know, we're, we're actually going to have to step up, like, and, you know, prove ourselves again, even though we just did it last year. Last year doesn't mean anything for this year. So um, I, I think we kind of got that figured out to a point now. And, um, you know, it, it definitely helped us a lot. Besides the obvious, can you imagine what it would be like right now had you not won that game? Yeah, it would definitely be, a, it would definitely be a, you know, kind of a weird deal with us. Just like I said, you know, that, that game was really big for our, for our confidence as a team and, you know, it kind of just told us, you know, hey, if, as long as we handle our business and, and you know, kind of do what we do on offense and do what we do on defense, we're, we're good enough to compete with anybody. So, um, you know, I, I think that winning winning that game, you know, how we did it and uh, putting that many points on the board was a big time for us. Jared Wiley, TCU tight end with us on 365 Sports. What did you learn about yourselves between the end of the Iowa State game and the start of the BYU game? Um, you know, just me personally, I've, I've been on teams that, you know, went five and seven and, and not really won, you know, very much. So, uh, that was kind of my main concern after the Iowa State game. Um, you know, we, we had a decision to make and it was either, um, you know, you kind of roll your sleeves back up or you go to work again and, you know, you, you try again next week or you just kind of start giving up and guys start being selfish and all that. And we didn't have any any of that, and so that was really encouraging just for me to see, and you know, to see a lot of our older guys kind of start stepping up and being like, "Hey, like you know, this this isn't what TCU is about. This isn't what we do here." Um, you know, we put in a lot of work in the off season. You know, just like everybody else did. So, uh, you know, we we just knew that we had to give ourselves um, the best chance. To, to win and compete every Saturday. So that, that's kind of what we ended up doing. As one of the old codgers on the team, one of the veterans, what about and how Josh Hoover performed 
uh, taking over at quarterback and what he brought to the offense. Yeah, you know, Josh, Josh like I said earlier, he's, he's been really mature um, for, for him to be as young as he is. Uh, you know, nobody deserves to, you know, to go out there and have a game like he had on Saturday more than he does. Um, you know, he puts in countless hours, um, you know, just watching film, studying the game plan, knowing our offense and, and knowing how his guys operate around him. So, um, you know, it, it was really good to see, you know, him just being calm and, and really just being a field general for us. Um, you know, like I said, that, that was really nice to see. Um, all, all he has to do is just keep being himself, honestly, and, and the, um, you know, the stats and, and the good games and all that, I mean, that'll come with it. Jared, what have uh, been the differences between uh, the offenses for you for Kendall Bryles this year? Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is that this, this offense kind of operates around the tight end. Um, you know, you don't you don't see me or Chase Curtis or DJ Rogers. You, you don't see really any of us come off the field very much. Um, and I, I think that that's probably the biggest the biggest change that we've had. I know last year we were in ten personnel probably you know fifty percent of the time or so. Um, so I think this year you know it, it's crucial for the tight end to to know what he's doing and you know to be on point week in and week out because you know I, I feel like that's really how our, our offense gets moving and operates. I still can't sometimes fathom that you used to be a quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was way back in the day. <laughs> what is your size now compared to when you were at Temple High School your senior year? So right now, I'm real close. I'm real close to six seven, and I'm 260 pounds. My senior year at uh, Temple, I was probably six five, low six six, and probably 210 pounds, maybe. So, yeah, you put some weight. Your touchdown catch from Hoover, the catch was there, the throw was there, but you took a beating or at least you took some hits at the goal line. How um, how refreshing was it for you to be able to take those hits, keep going, and get in the end zone? Yeah, you know, that I, I think that, that that's really just a mindset deal. Um, you know, God, God granted me with, oh, you know, a lot of size and a lot of athletic ability. And so, you know, that, like I said, that's just a mindset thing. You know, you, you, you're on the goal line and, um, you know, you got to fall forward. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, I mean, with the offense that has struggled all, all season in the red zone, you know, those, those are the types of plays that you have to make, um, you know, as one of the veteran guys on, on, on the offense. So, um, yeah, I wasn't coming out of that one without a touchdown. <laughs> Has Coach Dykes changed in any way from how things went last year with the winning and, of course, some great close close wins, too, to when things got a little bit dicey after back-to-back losses? I mean, as far as, far as who Coach Dykes is, no. He, I mean, you know, he's been the same guy week in and week out, um, you know, just, just really encouraging us and and kind of kind of getting back. To, the one thing I will say he probably changed is he kind of just got back to – what made us, you know, so good last year, just, you know, being more physical on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, um, you know, allowing us to have or um, kind of a dialed back Thursday and Friday to, to feel fresh for the game on Saturday. But, I mean, other than that, no, not really. I, I don't think that he's changed as a coach at all. We just we just had to get back to, 
to who TCU is and who we are as a team. And, you know, so we, we kind of went back to the basics with a lot of our practice scheduling and all that with, I mean, you know, if it's going to work then you know, everybody was all for it. So, uh, I mean, that, that's really the only change that we've had. Is there anything more exhausting in life than you can imagine than a Kaz Kazadi workout? Um, honestly, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> um, you know, he, he put, he, he makes, he makes sure that we're good for the season. He puts us through the, through the ringer and, uh, and spring and, and summer. So, um, yeah, he, he's made sure that we're, we're in tip top shape for the season. Jared, last thing you're on the road against Kansas state, then on the road at Texas tech, a couple of places it can be tough to win. Although teams have won there. Uh, how much does your leadership, the experience, help when you go on the road like this for the younger players yeah you know if 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 i can use it in the right way and and i will that i mean that i think that that that's the that's the main difference between a win and a loss right there um just with these next two games especially this one coming up you know it it definitely means a lot you know to go go into manhattan and, and be able to play kansas state you know they're a really good team um you know, they, they obviously got the best of us last year in the Big 12 championship. So, um, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at this as kind of like a, like a moment for, for this season for us to be like, you know, this, this is when we turned it around and this is when we got on track. So, um, you know, I, I just got to, as a, as a older guy on the team and a leader, I just got to make sure that we all stay focused on the main, on the main task at hand and the main goal. And, you know, none of that other stuff matters. Their fans, how loud it gets, none of that really matters to us. The only thing that matters is what's happening on each specific play and what I have to do to help my team win. Have you seen what Temple's dealing with this year, and how much does that hurt you as a former Wildcat? Yeah, it it has been kind of tough to see on Fridays. Um, I I haven't gotten to watch the game, but, um, you know, my, my dad, goes and watches all the games and he'll, he'll text me just the final score and stuff. Um, you know, they, I don't, I'm not sure really what's going on over there, but, um, you know, I, I trust coach Stewart with, with what he's got going on. And, you know, you, you, you just have to hope that they can turn it around pretty quick. Thank you, Jared. Tell Mark Cohen, we appreciate him as well. Thanks for your time today. Yes, sir. Thank you. Jared Wiley, Temple high school, then played at Texas, transferred to TCU as a part of that, magical year of course last year and trying to turn the corner after their win this past week and they hammered BYU and now on the road on the road against Kansas State and also Texas Tech the next couple well there's an off week I think after Kansas State yeah it was a good win for them I, I'm not um you know sold that Josh Hoover's like the answer and you know the whole missing piece to their start uh, I also wonder if how I'll say this again I, don't, I think I've said this a hundred times I don't know how good BYU really is you know I think that that's still a question mark uh, but I think that's a question mark for the entire conference before anybody gets their you know feelings hurt um, I think you can say that about everybody I don't know how good really anybody is outside of Texas and Oklahoma quite frankly and I think K-State's pretty good but even they had a blip on the radar you know Oklahoma State's starting to rise but how good are they really West Virginia um, I think is in that conversation, but yeah, that was a, a big win for TCU and they left no doubt. I mean, that was a, a one-sided whooping and um, yeah, they, uh, they could have the opportunity to get back on track here, but uh, Jared will certainly be a big part of that. All right. Uh, we're not done. When we come back the four o'clock hour, we're going to look back at some of the other results we saw this week, of course, 
uh, in the Big 12. Ricky Thompson tomorrow, by the way, Baylor sideline reporter. Uh, also tomorrow we'll drop in on Ohio State as they play Penn State coming up. And we'll also have Chris Williams that covers Iowa State. He'll join us tomorrow on the Cyclones as they are now 3-1 and one in the Big 12. This is 365 Sports. Cars price right, day and night. Average your car in Texas. Trucks built for you, red, white, and blue. Average your car in Texas. Cars that zoom with lots of room. Average your car in Texas. Count on us, a dealer to trust. Average your car in Waco, Texas. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, bars, silver sneakers, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements. New flooring in the weight room floor and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room, and many new machines have been added and arriving constantly on the weight room floor. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new ellipticals on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Box, and welcome to Nathan Roach, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior Kenna. Adult Tennis lessons and clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at WacoTennis.com or visit us at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco.
This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. Back with 365 Sports. This, of course, every weekday at 3 to 6 and 10. Paul Catalina, 1 until 2 with... uh, the triple option Monday through Thursday. Craig and Grayson uh, both do the Bearcast, which is recorded every Tuesday around noon and also put up on the site. So all of that content and more is available. In fact, Garrett and Jack and so many others have the content that they put up with different shows. You can go to 365 Sports on YouTube and find it. So here, are, uh, we saw this yesterday, but I want to go over the games, the teams who have what you think are a legitimate shot to be in the Big 12 championship game. There are the standings, Oklahoma at the top, and then a group at Iowa State 3-1. and one. We'll have a, a writer. In fact, again, tomorrow, Chris Williams on them. Oklahoma State, Texas, K-State, and West Virginia, all 2-1. and one. Let's just focus on those four 2-1 teams. Who, in your opinion, has staying power? Obviously, I think people will say Texas. Who else in that group do you think has staying power to be going into the end or middle of November in still uh, having a chance to play for the championship? I, I would just say Kansas State. I think that um, you know they've they've shown it um, that they can you know reboot, rebuild, you know you know fix things in season. Last week's game was a was a great example of that. If Will Howard gets completely healthy, then they've got you know, some some really outstanding, interesting depth in that quarterback position. I think they'll get it figured out. The same thing kind of happened to them last year. Remember, they lost to Tulane early. They lost to Missouri early. You know, they've, they've lost one can, uh, conference game so far. But, yeah, I think I think it's them. I think they've got the best team to do that. Iowa State is, is such a huge surprise to me right now. I don't see them hanging with it very long. But, you know, um, stranger things have happened, and they've got a really good coach. But I would say Kansas State, to me, is the – is the one outside of Texas who, you know, probably shouldn't lose again. Yeah, I was going to say, are we including Texas in yeah, there? Yeah, I mentioned yeah, them as, okay. as, to me, it's obvious. But, yeah, yeah. go ahead and discuss them. Yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously Texas. I think they're very clearly 1B or number 2, uh, however you want to slice that up. And I'm sure that some of their fan base thinks they're still number 1, despite the loss to Oklahoma. But uh, head-to-head is what it is. So they're, they're number 2. Uh, at best, I think they're number two at worst, though. Um, you know, K-State uh, with Avery Johnson coming in and, and lighting the world on fire the way that he did. You know, I don't know if that's something you can expect week in and week out with a young quarterback, but, um, you know, that was a, a great sign, especially amidst Will Howard's struggles. Uh, so, yeah, I think K-State's still very much in the mix. Um, I don't know. I'm, like, I'm not ready to rule anybody out, quite frankly. Um, I think that everybody's sitting at 2-1. and one. You know, I'm not sold that Oklahoma State's going to win a bunch more versus how many they lose. I'm, you know, not sold on West Virginia per se, but, you know, they've got varying degrees of difficulty as far as their schedules go. Uh, so that's going to factor in. And uh, I think that right now, yeah, Texas is the safe bet. K-State's the safer bet uh, as well of the other remaining schools, but... I mean, Oklahoma State and West Virginia and Iowa State. I mean, Iowa State's already got three wins. Yep. So they're, they're already a leg up on uh, most of the others. So at three and one, I mean, they're sitting really pretty right now. So, yeah, them, the Cowboys, and the Mountaineers, I don't know really how to separate those groups. And I don't know how far off they even are away from a Kansas State. I, I still feel like I need to see more. But um, I think it's also just a, a situation where uh, – 
I think I've said it before, where I do think there is that top two, and then I think there is that group of teams that are just kind of there. And any given week, they can uh, beat each other depending on you know the circumstances. And, and I, I don't think there's a clear cut just you know separate separation between a, a K State versus a, a West Virginia or an Oklahoma State versus an Iowa State right now. Some of the responses uh, in the chat room about who they believe are some of them, and we'll get back to the rest of the standings in a minute. Uh, I would think that most of them. Uh, have said that it's going to be TCU, Kansas State. Iowa State, though, Craig, they have one more win than everybody else, which matters when you're having to play the nine conference games. West Virginia, Paxton, Sam said K-State, Bracket Cat said KSU, and among others. Is there somebody, and Garrett, if you wouldn't mind, and you said, Craig, that I haven't ruled out anybody, because uh, if you have three losses, it's going to be hard, obviously. No, but, uh, yeah, we're talking about one-loss yeah. teams here. So is there anybody below that group? that has two losses or more in that group, and we just had Jared Wiley on from TCU, that could jump into the fray before it's said and done because they really have no room for error with the two losses. Yeah, it's TCU. Um, I don't trust Kansas's defense, and is Jalen Daniels ever going to get healthy? Maybe that doesn't matter because Jason Beans played pretty well, um, but that defense is, is a, a bit of an issue for them. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't have as much faith that Kansas is going to keep it going the rest of the way and like hop back into the mix. I feel like if Jalen Daniels came back healthy, then, you know, maybe I, I, I give that more consideration, but of the two lost teams, which is why I didn't include TCU in the previous talk. Um, yeah, I would say it's TCU pretty clear in a way. Um, oh, and sorry. I put them right there neck and neck with uh, most of, if not all those one loss teams right there. Yeah. Yeah. I would say TCU again, if Jalen Daniels is healthy, if Jalen Daniels is healthy, then maybe Kansas isn't even in the spot. And we're talking about them contending uh, at the top, but he's not. And you know, he's got a back injury and anybody who's ever had, like they don't really go away. Like they just get varying, you know, issues. So you look, you've got back pain, you know, it, there's days where you don't have it at all, and then there's days where you have it and you, you feel like somebody shot you. So it's just one of those deals. So I don't know. it, And he's still going to get hit when he comes back. So that hurts your everything when he get hit. So I, I think you got to take Kansas out of it. But TCU, uh, and they're playing with Josh Hoover now for the foreseeable future because n- no telling when Chandler Mortz is going to be back. If that offense continues to do what it did last week, then they're going to be hard to stop for anybody. So yeah, they, they could easily get back up in there. And, look, they've got the moxie to do it. They've got experienced guys on the, the team. They've got guys, transfers who have been other places, have had success, um, and, and have been in conference races. So, yeah, they've got enough veterans on that team, even though not all of them have been there for all that long, to, I think, have weathered the storm of where, you know, last week the reason I, I, I picked BYU is – uh, a backup quarterback and B, it just felt like they were staring on the precipice of a, a collapse. But they proved me wrong in an outstanding way uh, this last week. Yeah, I think you know it was a great showing for Hoover, but you know we saw a really good showing from Chandler Morris, and I haven't seen anything like that ever since. Yeah. So we need to see Hoover do it a bit more. But he did show some good things, and he seemed to open some things up, and, and just it was refreshing uh, what the offense looked like with him there. So yeah, I need to see more, but uh, there's plenty of reason for optimism, and if he in fact is you know, the guy that he can be, then, yeah, they've got all the other pieces, I think, to grow along the way or having grown up to this point um, with what they did, like Paul said, in the offseason where, you know, some drop-off was expected, but I think even the drop-off they've experienced is more than I've expected and I think more than they expected um, given how they 
attempted to reload. So maybe that's starting to all kind of come together now. Again, we'll see. It was one game, um, and now there's film on him, and now there's you know there's going to be some reaction to him specifically. Mm-hmm. So let's see how he deals with that. But yeah, th- I would have to say they're they're they've got to be arguably the most talented team that's in that mix with Kansas State maybe right there as well. Um, but I can't see where there would be really an argument that any of those others would be on that same level talent-wise. But, again, that doesn't mean the end-all, be-all necessarily. So if you have two conference losses, you absolutely can't afford a third. And it's, it's easy to, well, somebody could get it on a run. Sure they can, but you have no room for error. And who knows, do you have Texas? Do you have Oklahoma? Do you have both of them on your schedule along with someone else will get hot in that group? Whether it's uh, Kansas State or who it might be will get hot in that group. Alex, thank you guys and gentlemen for all the great insights and interviews. I love it. Thank you very much. Brock said the top six all have a legitimate shot. Iowa yeah. State is like the pet cemetery. You bury them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, oh. you know, good defense yeah. travels. And uh, Rocco Beck, so long as he plays, you know, pretty well. I mean, the run game, you know, still need to flesh that out some more. But they've got some good receivers. And, um, yeah, I think that they're, they're sustain- that what they're doing is sustainable um, because – you don't expect them to go win by scoring 40 points or do, you know, like I think that they've got a formula that works for them so long as, you know, Rocco Beck protects the football and so long as they can get a little bit of the run game going. Um, But yeah, that defense is going to travel everywhere and they're going to be a hard out. And I think that's been the case now for years, but uh, we we need a little bit of a reminder as they suffered a little bit of a a step back. And now I think we're getting that reminder of like, oh yeah, here comes Iowa state. Oh yeah. That's why Matt Campbell is coveted every off season. Oh yeah. It's amazing. The job that he's done and, you know, so on and so forth. Speaking of them, uh, Garrett, that direct message that I received from CFB Plus, oh, my God, I got I thought it was a little bit larger than that. Let me try to see if I can find the page from, hold on, that just caught me off guard. Uh, I can't read that. It's too small. This was from CFB Plus. Here's some food for thought on Iowa State. He's talking about, I know Baylor fans want Aranda. Gone, and this year is nothing short of a disaster. But let's look at Iowa State and what Matt Campbell's been through. 2020 Big 12 championship game appearance, and they won the Fiesta Bowl. Then they went 7-6, and six, lost in the bowl game. Then they stepped back to 4-8 and eight in 2022. They are currently 4-3, look pretty good. If I'm not mistaken, there's a chance they return 18 starters next year. Maybe give Aranda some more time and not have a knee-jerk reaction. I don't think it's knee-jerk. Uh, I think that the brand of football we've been watching for going back to halfway through last year has been pretty blah and pretty uninspiring. And so I understand that. But you're also talking about a program that's won three Big 12 titles with three different, uh, with two different head coaches and played for a third with a third different head coach. So, you know, Matt Campbell is the greatest Iowa State head football coach in history, right? Most successful. And that's one thing. And and you're right. Give it time. Not every year is going to be great. But I think from the Baylor standpoint is, okay, if all this stuff's changing, especially the landscape and NIL and all these different things, how long are you going to wait until you finally decide, no, wait, that is, yep, we were wrong. Or, no, this is not going to turn around. And that's the the major question they have right now. Now, some of that may be out of their control. um, Where, you know, they are obviously not going to do anything midseason. And maybe they have to work on more of the, the buyout and how all that would work. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that that's, an impe- uh, you know, that's impeding any type of a decision um, and that it's impossible to get around. But I just think it's a, it's a long-growing thing. Like, 
at least you get a little spark here and there. But for the standard that's been set here, I don't think it's realistic to think that every single year they're going to be in Big 12 contention and there's never going to be a drop-off. But look how long this drop-off has been going on now. It's been going on since the middle of last year, and there's no sign that it's getting any better. And they're dogs going to Cincinnati this week. The only game they might be favored in the rest of the way is Houston. And by the time that rolls around, they might not be favored in that game. So, like, I get what you're saying, and, and you're, you're right. But the patience has been lapped over already. Like, people were pay- – oh, yeah, you know, last year, was into the oh, they made changes in the offseason. And then you got off to the start you got off to, and there's no end in sight for the struggles. And I think that's where it's just all sort of bubbling up and bubbling over. And how long can you expect – a fan base to be patient if you're going on, what, like two years? I mean, is that long enough to finally go, like, all right, enough already? Because it's been a year. It's been a year straight of just, yeah. What's interesting to me is that he won a Big 12 title, and he was a genius, a Jedi. He was this different animal of a coach. And, yes, the, the narrative at the time, correct me if I'm wrong, was that he took Matt Rule's players and then made them even better. Now he's losing, and he won in 2021 with Matt Rule's players. Can you have both? Can it be both? I mean, I don't know. I don't really get into that dumb argument about uh, his players versus whose players and all that. I think that that's something you bring up when you're just trying to shoot holes in the guy a little bit more. Because, I mean, whatever, like whoever's players they were, he went and won with them. And um, it's not like he just took finished products and, like, oh, I'll take all this stuff that's already done and just place it in front of me. It's like, no, he had to help out uh, Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard and all of that. I do think the recruiting part of it is a major question. Like, that's the other thing, too, is uh, I would assume, and I don't know, I haven't got deep in these conversations, but that Iowa State fans are pretty content with where they are recruiting-wise, talent evaluation-wise, things like that. Like, you still see players coming up, and they're they're good players, and and you're reloading uh, as much as rebuilding. And I think the question right now for Baylor is, are they even reloading? Are they rebuilding? Like, what are they doing exactly? Because there was a whole conversation earlier about, like, they don't have the right guys in the O-line. Well, they had an entire offseason and didn't address it to the to the point that they needed to, right? Uh, because they didn't have the scholarship. Like, so their, their distribution's not even, like, in line right now as far as how their numbers are doled out. Because they clearly needed more offensive linemen, but they couldn't go get more because their numbers were, weren't right. So... I just think it's bigger than just the wins and the losses, and they're in a little bit of a rut. I think it's it's a legitimate question about recruiting, about the roster talent, about development, and about where all of it's going. And I just don't know that you can wait another year and it's all just be 2-10 and 10 again or something like that and then look up and finally go, oh, all right, okay, cool, it, 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 is, it is what it is. I, I, I don't know, and I know that that's going to be – you know, Mac Rhodes' decisions. I'm certainly not calling for an ouster by any means. I want to see how the rest of this season plays out. But I don't think it's an Iowa State situation. Iowa State is grateful for Matt Campbell. Baylor fans have seen better, and they've seen it multiple times in recent years. And this is going backwards. It's not even staying in place. Yeah, because the recruiting, there really hasn't been much. That, In fact, I saw the other day they have a commitment from a player out of another state uh, in Tennessee. And yet, all of a sudden, he has an offer from Texas. Well, we know it's Mississippi, uh, Mississippi, how that sometimes ends. Uh, and and I think that there's is there a spark? Will that happen over the last six games? I don't know if anyone expects that from Life of Riley. Remember two years ago when K State coach was on the hot seat, chastising the media for being negative, while Dave Aranda had hacked coaching. Wow, what a change in a couple of different years. There's a couple that say it's just been one year. 
Uh, Craig might want to taper your expectations. Uh, it's, no, it's, go ahead. I don't know. Like, and, and Craig can speak for himself here. It's not just been one year. It's been a year and a half now, and, or it's, it's going to be, if it continues this way, it'll be the middle of last year through this year. So that's where it starts to get where it's not just this one year that they have like, they haven't had a bunch of injuries that are season ending. I mean, yes, they lost their quarterback after the first, like in the first game late, and he wasn't able to play for another couple of weeks. But um, everything around that, like the offensive line hasn't had injuries, the running backs have been, are, are supposedly deep and healthy, the wide receivers had had major, major injuries. So on offense, like the starters have all, save for one, been playing pretty regularly. Uh, and then, you know, on defense, they're just not. What they are, like, we talked about Jimbo Fisher in this. This is where it comes on Dave Aranda. Look, he's a defensive expert, right? So you should be able to rely on the defense. Well, the defense is as unreliable now as the offense. Just like with Jimbo Fisher, if you're this offensive guru, then you should be able to kind of fall backwards into a few points to help out this defense, even if you don't feel like you're running the exact system you want to. That's where things are starting to get muddled. Yeah, I appreciate the feedback, um, but I've watched every single game, and I don't know that everybody commenting has. <laughs> Are y'all watching the same brand of football? Are y'all seeing it go backwards? It's not going forwards, guys, gals. It's not. It's It's been a very hard product to watch, and this whole conversation, like I just said, um, and everybody's right to their opinion, and I don't want to see Dave Aranda fired. Like I just said a moment ago, I'm not calling for that. I'm not hoping for that. I'm, I want to see how the rest of this season plays out, so I, I've made that clear. Um, and they can turn it around with six more games to go. But based on what we've seen now, there's little reason to believe that they will. And there's little reason to believe that they're just going to capture momentum this offseason or down the stretch, and they're going to have this big run into next year. There's no signs that next year is going to be any better. And this was supposed to be better with 10-plus transfers, and they address this. And there's holes everywhere. Like, there's you, you addressed it, and there's still holes. So that's fine. That's fine. Like, you know, give t- guys time to develop and all that. But um, I'm just saying that they are they're spinning their wheels at best. And this whole thing started talking about Matt Campbell and Iowa State. So I'll just reiterate, I think it's a different situation. I think um, saying, like, they had their uh, downward slope and now they're rising back again, it's because people are patient. I think it's a different scenario for Iowa State fans and Baylor fans. I think there's a different standard. And not that, you know, anyone's better than the other, but like I said, there's been multiple coaches win Big 12 titles here in the last decade. That's not the case in Ames. They've gotten close, and with Matt Campbell hanging around, I'm sure they can eventually get there, especially in the new Big 12, maybe even this year get into that championship game. But it's just a different set of circumstances here. It's not apples to apples. It's apples to oranges. Yeah, and, and it, it has been a year, but the trend at the way last year ended, and you kind of could take some of the discussion about that there was a disconnect and – whatever was going on, and there still seems to be a little bit of that. It's not as if that staff doesn't understand. No. Uh, the question is, do they have anybody there inside of that program that can help fix it? And I'm talking about players and talent and personnel. And I'm, uh, I, I've been told by uh, – I, I was told that this week, and Dave Aranda kind of said this on Monday at his media session, that they have to look within themselves as a coaching staff and realize there's some things that are not working. Is it you change what you're trying to do? Do you change any personnel? Is there enough personnel there to change it? But this week they have been like blaring the loud music and the, the practices seem to be a little bit different. However, does that carry over? Because we've been told it hasn't between practice 
and what they do Saturday at Cincinnati. Yeah, and uh, to the taper expectations, like I don't have high expectations, really. I mean, I, I think making a bowl game is a legitimate expectation. I, I didn't think that they were going to win a Big 12 title this year. I didn't think they were going to win 10 games. I think winning six games and getting to a bowl game is pretty normal, realistic expectations for a program who's in year four of a head coach. Uh, you know, and if that's not even realistic anymore is winning six games with eight home games on the schedule and some newbies at that that are on that schedule. I mean, I, I don't think that that's being anything but just kind of standard. I, you know, and if that's not the standard anymore, then I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Well, you've said that before watching what you see on offense uh, with the football team. Here's what I do know. You can't sit there and you must still give Coach Aranda credit because they did win a Big 12 title. He was the head coach in their best year ever, no matter how the setup was with their roster. Does that count for anything at all? 12-2, and two, they'd never done that before. Winning the Big 12, they'd won that twice with Bryles, played for it with Rule, and then also at the same time winning the Sugar Bowl to close out their best year ever. Does that not give him a little more time, or can you give anybody time in this day and age of college football? Yeah, to be clear, I appreciate everybody's feedback, and we can agree to disagree on you know expectations and things like that, but I do appreciate um, those that are chiming in. I think the Big 12 title gives you uh, the leeway that you still have your job right now. <laughs> because without that, what is the argument for him? And look, th- again, I'm not anti-Aranda, but what's happened since then? Like, how long is too long before your only wins are a fourth-quarter comeback against UCF and a not-very-impressive win over Long Island at home? And that's been it for, like, a year. That's been it, guys. Mm-hmm. That's their wins. So, I mean, how long do you want to go? And how long How long does that Big 12 – do you get 20 games of just blah before the Big 12 title magic runs out? Do you get 24 games? I don't know. Like I said, I'm not calling for anything. But they've been on a pretty miserable stretch now – uh, for for going on a, a year's time in multiple games over the course of these past two seasons. So, like I said, let's see how this second half plays out. But if they go lay an egg in Cincinnati, yep. and I have to hear about music at practice or um, taking practice over to the field or the same thing. And that's the other thing. Y'all don't hear the press conferences every week. Y'all don't hear the same thing and then the same results on Saturdays. And so I, we have a little bit more insight, just like Iowa State fans have more insight on on what's happening in Ames. And so – that's the, the thing about the Groundhog Day aspect of that is the same thing happens and you hear the same thing about why it happened and how they're going to correct it week after week after week. And so, yeah, he's got cachet for, for the Big 12 title, but I, I just feel like you continue on the course that you're on right now and eventually you're going to be like 20 games beyond that and you're going to be 10 games under 500. And how, how much does that still give you ammunition-wise? You Paul, know? does the 12, uh, 2021 season give him any more time in your opinion, than the next six games the rest of this year? No, uh, because if he loses all six of them, then you like oh, you, yeah, yeah. you have to, like, that's it. Like, you have to. Which is possible. Yeah, the problem, the problem is it's not just a, um, it's not just a straight up and down, do you believe that if you stuck with him, he could figure it out? Because I think if there's a person who's smart enough to figure almost anything out, it's Dave Aranda. He would probably figure it out. The thing is, is that you're also... It have to make a business decision, which is the calculus of buyout over ticket sales. And if you're not going to be able to sell tickets to your games, and it's already getting 
to be a struggle getting people to show up. I mean, the Texas Tech game was not well attended. Yeah, Saturday but, night, a rival, and it was like, and it looked Tech fans didn't turn out the way no, that I thought but, that they would either. But yeah, that was it's not that was their like, stadium. No, yeah. no. So yeah, so you've got fans that are already in the I'm not going for the rest of this year kind of mode, you have to find a way to combat that. The only way to do that is winning. That's yep, it. That's it. And so, because it's hard to sell a coach's intellect if they're not winning. Because you can say, like, look, this guy's really smart. You know, he did this before. Like, yeah, but college football moves really fast now. And if you look at how quickly programs can get turned around, this is not the old measuring stick of, well, give him five years to get his players in there. You know, it is, well, you don't need five. You really need about two and a half. And what's well, like I said, too, you yeah. know, before, like, okay, you got your player in here. Is he gone with NIL next year? Yeah. The guys who are actually pretty good because they want to play for a winning team. Like, that's the other danger of the whole, like, well, let's build it. And it's like, okay, if this was the old days where you had guaranteed four years from a guy, that's one thing. You don't anymore. You've got one year. And that's and that guy can leave in, in most circumstances. And so this last year, oh, we'll just go hit the transfer portal. We made that mistake two years ago. We'll hit it harder. We'll get like twelve guys. Has it changed anything? Those no. twelve guys? No, it hasn't changed anything. But does not getting anybody for the twenty one to twenty two season also create even if you did get somebody in the off season, you're still playing catch up? And you got you're the one that made the decision, so you do have to take that as a hit against what's happening right now. I- yeah, I mean, sure, but I mean, like I said, I, I, I'll say it the fifth and final time. I'm not rooting for the the, the firing. I want to see how the second half plays out. But a lot of this, like, well, doesn't that help and help you? I mean, I guess so. But at some point, I mean, are we going to argue about this when the stadium's empty and 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 that's where it's going? And so, go win, like you said, that's the only solution. We could talk about it for hours, and it's not going to impact anything. The only thing that'll impact the situation is go beat Cincinnati. And then go beat, you know, three or four other teams down the stretch. But if you don't do that, how – you could go get 50 transfers this offseason. Who's buying into that? Colorado. Yeah, but I mean, like yeah, – I, I know. I know. But and, and like, let's compare the head coaches. Craig's points <laughs> yeah. about Baylor are valid. However, I would give Dave the rest of the season, all of next year. He's a highly intelligent coach and a history of success with the 2021 season. As miserable as fans are. As frustrated as the fans or maybe even others are, donors, boosters, whoever, those who have uh, equity in the program, you know that Dave Aranda, this is killing him. Absolutely killing him and the staff. And now they got to find a way to kind of dig out of the ditch and we'll see what happens starting Saturday against Cincinnati. All right, uh, we will come back with more. 429 is the time. Craig's off the radar around the corner. A couple of notes in college football. And appreciate all of your feedback that we've been getting again, as always, in the chat room. Uh, A couple of notes about college football. One from Dabo Sweeney on Clemson's fans' expectations. And another one from Shane Beamer on losing his temper. And it cost him uh, pain. This is 365 Sports. Pioneer Steel and Pipe. Pioneer Steel and Pipe has been in business since 1943. They have a new location that's not even a year old, just on the east side of I-35 on Highway 6 and Loop 340. Pioneer Steel and Pipe with pipe, steel, and metal. Pioneer Steel and Pipe, who still, despite all of the bells and whistles, all of what they have with this incredible new facility, will still want to sit down with you, shake your hand, make sure you're happy as a customer, not just the first time you become a customer or buy their product, 
but the next time and the next time and even maybe a generation or two later, that is how they have remained in business and successful since 1943. Their new facility is bigger, better, faster, and stronger and even more efficient when it comes to having people load up the product they buy, whether it's in a pickup truck, a trailer, or an 18-wheeler, and make sure you get to where you want to go. Different lengths of different product so that you don't have to take the product from where they were before and get it cut by somebody else or by yourself. They do that for you. All of that is available. The showroom of 2,500 square feet with over 1,000 new products in stock. Pioneer Steel and Pipe, pioneerboys.com. Right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sikkim Bears. <laughs> Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDI see an equal housing lender. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Some say a dog is man's best friend. But I tell you what, boys, you better think again. Cause there ain't nothing better than some cows, pigs, and turkeys, too. I love to cover them in sauce down at Rudy's Barbecue. Bring all your friends to Rudy's for some tasty oak smoke barbecue. Next in line. 
This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, a couple of notes in college football. Dabo Sweeney, the head coach at Clemson, he's won a couple of national titles. Of course, Clemson had 12 consecutive years where they won 10 games or more. Uh, He said that Clemson fans' unrealistic expectations. Here's a quote. We're at a point where if you don't go undefeated, you are losers. You're terrible. And that is just such terrible mindset. Honestly, maybe we need to lose a few games and lighten up the bandwagon. Sometimes the bandwagon can get a little bit too full. Whoo. Dabo's getting kind of in the crabby old man (laughs) stage. stage. Um, These darn kids with their darn music. Uh, kids today kind of a thing you know Uh, Dana Carvey used to do a a grumpy old man angry old man segment like that's the way it was and we liked it on SNL way back in the day and that's how like sometimes I hear Dabo Sweeney sounds to me and I get it like you know he he can't completely worry about all the fan noise and look they're better than they've ever been under Dabo Sweeney so even in some like a bit of a downtime it's kind of silly yes he has to adjust things but yeah I, I I think it's strange to call that out um at this point given all the things that are going on but that's where he is it's just strange to me because when Dabo started he was the fun coach to yep. me yep. and maybe I misread that but it does seem now although when you win those titles the pressure gets even bigger. And one of the things I did take away from um, the the Florida Urban Meyer documentary was him saying that, like, that year that they went 12-0 and in the regular season, then lost to Alabama, they were just – and he, he was just – everybody was miserable because it was just – they'd won the national title and everybody else is celebrating, and he's on the phone recruiting and doing all these things and working himself to death. Maybe Dabo Sweeney's in that phase right now too because – if you're not enjoying it or those stresses are getting to you, then you can't be the fun coach anymore, and you're not the guy who was, you know, who turned Clemson into this this cool place to play. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's got a valid point about expectations being out of whack, but winning 10 games for well over a decade every single year, um, as he's done, and winning two national titles will do that. That will set expectations out of whack. You know, just like somebody's probably thinking, like, why is he writing about Baylor? Like, that's Baylor. Who are they? You know, like, well, they won a bunch of Big 12 titles, and that's why expectations now are what they are, right? And so if you're at Clemson, and you won a couple national titles, and you've beaten Alabama, and you've, you know, swung toe-to-toe with the uh, other giants of college football, and you've come out on the winning side of that more often than not in the last few years, um, yeah, expectations are going to be a bit out of whack, and I think he's probably trying to correct that, but I don't think that that's something that can feasibly happen at this point, uh, barring a coaching change, because so long as he's the coach, expectations are going to be for Dabo to get them back to the promised land, and, and the years that they don't, well, the following year, they better be back there. And if they haven't gone a couple years in a row, uh, like has now been the case, or three years, um, yeah, that's, oh my gosh, is the program in trouble? Even if you're still winning 10, 11 games every year. So uh, the, the fan base's expectations are definitely out of whack. I think he's also feeling the pressure of just, it's not what he originally signed up for. 
this whole mm. college coaching job uh, that you have nowadays. It's not the way it was when he was initially winning, uh, when there wasn't NIL, there wasn't all this other stuff going on. So I think he's still coming to grips with that and, and dealing with that, much like I'm sure a lot of other coaches are. And so, yeah, it's probably not as fun as it was when you had way more control and you didn't have to worry about 24-7, 365, babysitting recruits or keeping tabs on them or having to field offers for them or go call your boosters for more money for this next guy. And so, yeah, I, I, I just think the, the landscape's drastically different. I think the expectations are drastically different. And I don't know if that's a good thing that he's talking about it the way that he is, but I appreciate his honesty. And it's clear based on many things he said at this point that, yeah, this, this whole college coaching gig is the way it is now, not quite what, uh, what he enjoyed uh, a few years back. All right. Uh, Craig, do you want to use the Yarmark stuff at all? I can, for, uh, yeah. Right, I mean, we've got to talk gonna, about it at some point. I'm going to yeah. pass it along to you. Garrett, I just sent you an email that I'd like to use before we get to, uh, to uh, off the radar. So uh, it's about the new clock rules. I remember taking some texts or messages from a lot of you that thought, my God, you wouldn't be able to come back and win games late in the game, uh, that, that it would change the game. Because remember... Two, two Hail Marys this week, by the way. Two Hail Marys. Uh, we saw Baylor come back from 28 points down in just over 15 minutes, just over a quarter, and found a way. So there have still been the crazy games. Uh, Colorado State winning. We saw what Stanford did down 29 to nothing. So even though the clock changes and initially, okay, what about the number of plays? This is from Dennis Dodd. Halfway through the season, scoring per game, 10th all-time up after a two-year decline. Total offense up slightly. Passing yards, second highest ever. Pass completions, highest since 2012. Pass percentages, highest ever. Average rushing yards per game, the lowest since 2009. Well, because you got to pass more because the clock's moving. There you go. So there you go. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I, I'm not going to say that I was right about this, but I, I do think that eventually people would ne- will never notice. Somebody's they'll response. Never, like, it's one of those things that, yeah, they'll never notice. Somebody's response, and then, Craig, your thoughts from Pac-2. Okay, now do Iowa, uh, <laughs> just to have a little yeah. bit of fun with that. I wish I was Iowa as a fan of Nebraska, even though they're at 3-3 three and three right now. Um, I, I haven't really noticed it too much. I know there's a lot of hand-wringing, at least early on, but the big bugaboo to me was, remains, and will always be the TV commercials. You know, not so much the, the other uh, changes that came with, um, you know, uh, changing the rules. So, yeah, I, I haven't noticed it. You know, it's not stood out to me. And, and I was watching games this past Saturday. You mentioned a couple of Hail Marys, and that was the last thought on my mind was the clock rules. Mm-hmm. I was just watching great games. So um, I don't know if that was just trying to be sticklers early on because you just didn't like it and you are looking for reasons to not like it. I don't know if there's legitimate to that. I, I, I did not cross my mind a single time watching mm-hmm. games this weekend. The only time it even crosses my mind, that rule or just the timing of things, is when there's just commercials after commercials after commercials. But that's that's not that. That's... And that's not going away either. So, yeah, I, that's interesting. But, it's yeah, it's not really been uh, on top of mind for me. All right. There's another Dennis Dodd tweet from earlier today. Uh, and we're going to get to that with Craig. This, uh, the Big 12 media, basketball, Craig will have more information on what your mark had to say today about the TV deal and even about the men's basketball and women's basketball tournament in Kansas City. Uh, have we? Oh, Bob Thompson, one last note. Bob Thompson, this is in remark to Dennis Dodd, the current Big 12 media rights deal gave the league optionality to bifurcate. We're going to come back 
Bifurcate. Well, that's a bad word. Perfect. All right, that's a bad word. Perfect. What did I, I don't say? Know what, you said burficate. I don't know what that means. And what, are, what is it? It's bifurcate. Okay. Two. Right. Like, you bifurcate. Know. Yeah. We'll come back with Craig on that as well, on what Bob Thompson had to say and so much more from the Big 12 and your mark. First time we've heard from him, at least in a little while, uh, on 365 Sports. This is 365 Sports back in a moment. TexasBeefHouse.com. I have the website right here in front of me. Now offering shipping nationwide to the lower 48 states. You can contact them. Samantha Duvall will handle the call and also handle your order. And many of you, and I would think it's safe to say dozens of you in the chat room or those who watch or listen to this show have done just that. Every week, we have a $100 gift certificate that we give to somebody that wins the Pick'em Contest thanks to what Kim Coulter provided with 15 $100 gift cards. There is new inventory now available online, and if you were going to order for this week, you have 19 minutes. Orders must be placed by 5 o'clock Central on 1017 that go out tomorrow for this week. Uh, premium quality beef from their pasture to your plate. Uh, premium Grated beef, East Texas beef, just outside of Tyler. No hormones, no antibiotics, and no steroids. They have aged Wagyu beef. And if you think about that, you sometimes back in the day, or even I remember when I first ever heard about Wagyu beef, it was about steaks. And they absolutely have every possible cut of steak that you would want. But also brisket and sausage and burgers and just hamburger meat if you want to use something else besides just the burgers. It is Filled with great product. TexasBeefHouse.com. Just outside of Tyler and White House. Home of Patrick Mahomes, by the way. But also home for TexasBeefHouse.com. From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible and rewarding challenge. Hi, this is Dan Ingham with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like our free First Mobile app, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. That's the First National Bank of Central Texas. Familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to pettycliniclowt.com. 
Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for, try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, Ideal MRI. This is Craig Smokes Off the Radar, presented by Alliance Bank. They take pride in making banking easy, AllianceBankTexas.com. All right, welcome into Off the Radar here on 365 Sports. Tuesdays and Thursdays at around 4.45, we dig into normally topics that are off the radar, but i got to be honest with you, uh, I don't think Brett Yormark's comments are off the radar. I think that's very much our bread and butter, but I don't know where else we're going to fit them in, so might as well uh, you know, get to them in this segment because I know there are some items of interest, uh, certainly when it comes to uh, what he had to say. So let's start off with um, expansion. And uh, the talk there, obviously, there's the Gonzaga discussions that are ongoing right now. They've been open about that. Mac Rhodes was on with us last week and acknowledged that, you know, it's not necessarily something that's going to happen right away, but down the line, certainly, um, they've been open at various points of not closing the door, uh, you know, being open for business. Although Brett Yormark did say after their, uh, I guess, acquisition of the remaining Pac-12 schools that were on their radar that we're done for right now. We're definitely done for right now. We're going to focus on onboarding. We're going to do this and that. Well, now the Gonzaga thing's out there. I know there's still, you know, what could happen with uh, Oregon State or Washington State or any other number of options that are out there on the table. But he was asked, as you might have mentioned, because of all these different things about expansion uh, today in Kansas City for Big 12 basketball media days, and uh, he basically shot it down. Uh, not shot not shot it down. He, he, sh- he shut down questions as far as realignment goes. He kind of got ahead of it and said that he wasn't going to be talking about you know, specifics and getting real deep into the weeds on uh, any expansion. Um, so uh, there was that, but he did say, to quote him exactly, but I will say this, no different than last year, if an opportunity presents itself for me to strengthen this conference, I'm going to explore it. So he cut off the questions, but he did say that. So how do you, do you think guys- because he did that that something close uh, I don't know. I mean, p- potentially, uh, Gonzaga would be the the bet that would be something you know potentially soon. Um, nothing else right now would 
would add up that that would be anything soon, which was kind of my point a couple weeks ago. It was just, it, you know, this idea of there being an like imminent thing. And then Gonzaga popped up. So, you know, that obviously was completely off the table and out of the out of the way, yep. it looked like. And then, boom, it comes back. So that's just sort of how this works sometimes. And, you know, yeah, learn to say never say never. But uh, he did say no different than last year. If an opportunity presents itself for me to strengthen this conference, I'm going to – explore it so uh, that follows on the heels of Seth Davis and um, the reports on Gonzaga and and how all that might work but uh, what do you I mean what do you think about that yeah if Gonzaga happens that's fine if it doesn't happen that's fine I'm I'm Mm. of that nature if it happens I trust Brett Yormark in wanting them for a reason because of more money that comes to the schools that are in the conference that will be here next year and beyond. And if that brings in more scratch, then do it. Yeah, Yeah, if Gonzaga helps you get that basketball money when you bifurcate the deal, bifurcate. It was a guy that played for the Mm -hmm. Bengals. Yeah, so when you you do that, if Gonzaga helps that, if there's another basketball entity that helps that, then do it. But, you know, right now there's nothing that's going to, you know, imminent that's going to do that. And and he did say that – their ability to to bifurcate basketball is on the next deal, not this one. So any additions to that would have to would be kind of uh, buying a stock low, I, I would say. So buying Gonzaga low right now would be that, like, okay, five years, six years, when the media deal comes up again, we're going to split off basketball, and Gonzaga right. is going to help us with that. So um, now the the risk you do run with Gonzaga, although they pour you know most of their athletic resources into that basketball program, as long as they have Mark Few, they're going to be fine. Is that Gonzaga is not going to be as good in the Big Twelve as they are in the conference they are in right now because they're going to lose more. So how does that affect them? Is that hurt their overall? I value? hear this about Mark Few. He's sixty. Yeah, that's not. I mean, it's not like he's seventy. No, I said as long as they've got yeah. him. I mean, yeah. they're. I mean, they're fine. And they'll, like he's got a coaching tree that they can go and find somebody who knows exactly how he did it and do it the same way and probably continue to be successful. They were good before. I mean, John Stockton went to Gonzaga. I mean, so let's not pretend like this isn't a 50, 60 year basketball program. But you know, um, are they really going to help, or is that just something that okay. that it sounds like it should? But it, it may not. Yeah, and you know, one thing I wasn't factoring in when uh, talking about all this again was um, what the ACC did, and you know what SMU basically set the tone for, which was, hey, we won't even take that much money, or we'll pay for ourselves at least the first few years, and that's just so foreign to me that that whole idea. But if that's how it works for Gonzaga, then okay. But that's just that just is so beyond me that I had to remind myself, oh no, that's how, that's how it worked for SMU, and that's how it could very well work for others potentially, I suppose, but. Um, yeah, it remains to be seen, but he did not want to comment about expansion or get into talks about that other than basically saying if the right opportunity presents itself, they'll be ready. And Paul mentioned that word bifurcate. Um, the quote from Dennis Dodd earlier today was about just that. The current Big 12 media rights deal gave the league optionality to bifurcate football and basketball in the next deal, um, but they still have or still would need to have value. So I guess did you kind of touch on that with what you just said there? Yeah, yeah I, I did. Mean, yeah, I mean, in other words, they have the ability to split off men's basketball for a new TV deal. That's not breaking. They feel those. they do. Yeah, and that might have been as much with Bob Bowlesby as it was with anything that Brett Yormark, based on the extension that did come down a year ago, about right now. Yes, uh, he also was asked about when we could see... Uh, no, go, Bob, you want me to read Bob Thompson? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, that, yeah, I was looking for clarity yeah. on what exactly that meant. Bob but. Thompson, uh, translation to what 
Dennis Dodd was reporting about Brett Yormark, the renewal rights in the current deal won't require the Big 12 to put a combined football basketball package together for ESPN Fox as part of the renewal package. Instead, the Big 12 would have the right to put forth separate football and basketball deals should they choose to do so. Yeah, that's so it. that is their plan. I mean, that's the thing that they've been really harping on, right, is uh, getting a separate basketball deal. Um, but obviously that's not soon. Again, it's something down the line they're working towards, but uh, that will be interesting, and especially if Gonzaga joins the fold, then uh, you would think that that just sweetens the pot all that much more. Uh, with all of the new teams that will be joining the league next year, uh, he was asked about a schedule release and when we could anticipate seeing that, and I think he said uh, – or uh, he said – uh, he hoped it would be late November, December. Um, didn't sound like it would go really much past the first of the year. Um, but as we know, as we know with the Big Ten, like those things can be worked on and displayed and thrown out there, and then be crumpled up and thrown away uh, a few months later. But it did sound like uh, looking at new schedule uh, for football next year it could be uh, late November, December, and then um, let's see. He talked on expansion. I mentioned the schedule release. And then there was number also number of men's basketball games that they'll play. Uh, yeah, I was going to get to the tournament too, but uh, the parameters for future football schedules with sixteen teams. He said that they will look at geography, competitive balance, history, and rivalries. So those will be right. some of the key categories for a sixteen-team football league. Uh, as far as the uh, Big Twelve basketball side of things, with sixteen teams. Uh, he said they will feature 20 games in men's basketball. Jeez. There will be 18 games for women's basketball. Scott Drew was on with us about two or three weeks ago, and he said whatever's best for the Big 12, he wants it to happen, whether it's 20 games. My God, that's a battering ram. Well, it's 20 <laughs> games, and that means here's the thing. It's a battering ram of having to play 15 teams once. Just right, if you, yeah. if yep. you just played every team one time 15 games, then – I think most people would be like, well, that's that's fine with me. You know, you you know what? Like you eight, eight on at home, seven on the road. Everybody's happy. But now, when you throw in, there's some years where the, that five you're going to have to come back around with. You know, so say you're UCF and you feel pretty good about your basketball team going into a year. You finally, you know, climbed out of the cellar, and then you get that schedule, and the teams you have to play twice are Kansas State, Baylor, and Kansas. You know, yeah. uh, among the and other that two, happen. that can happen, and that's where you're like, ah, yeah, <laughs> come yeah. on, yeah, nope. Yeah. So uh, that's going to be, you know, really uh, interesting to see the differences in the schedules and how all that comes together and competitive balance and, and all the things that will play into that. Um, but yeah, for football. He cited geography, competitive balance, history, and rivalries. And uh, for basketball, uh, it will be 20-game uh, schedule for the men, 18-game schedule for the women. And so he touched on expansion, not really, but sort of let it be known, like, yeah, the door's always open. Uh, touched on schedule release for football sometime late this year, early next year. Uh, touched on the number of games for men's and women's basketball in the future 16-team league and uh, also talked about the the potential, again, of a split deal with football and men's basketball in the future. Uh, but he also touched on, I guess, one final note here, uh, the future of the basketball tournament itself. And that was probably the most talked-about topic, I think, because I just caught glimpse of 
a Utah fan, and it might have been more than one, but at least one that you know popped off and made a comment about like why don't they have the tournament in Vegas? And it's turned into like three hundred replies with like two retweets, you know, like one of those like ratios. Um, because Brett Yormark said that they are in early discussions with Kansas City to keep the basketball tournament in KC through twenty thirty one. So that got quite a bit of response. And uh, in some of the newbies, uh, yeah, what about Vegas? I saw a lot of Vegas, especially from Utah fans. Um, But then there were a lot of people making the case for Kansas City and why it works and just saying, like, hey, you haven't been there, you don't understand. Uh, I saw a couple of, of, I guess, probably newcomers mentioning, well, what about Dallas? Well, then it had to be explained, Dallas is not a great site for the basketball tournament. People don't show up. It's not fun. Uh, so Kansas City has just kind of been the, the sweet spot for them. Um, but definitely some pushback from those who haven't experienced that yet. But what are y'all's thoughts on the KC hosting of the basketball tournament through 2031? Smokey, ask me if I would like to go to Kansas City. No, I know you would. You uh, yeah, don't, so. I, I'm, you, you've been there more than I have been. Mm-hmm. What they do there, they get it. Yeah. It, 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 and it's not just, okay, it's in the middle of a hot basketball bed because of Iowa State, Kansas State, Kansas, and even when Missouri was in the conference. It just, they get it. They've tried it in Dallas. They've tried it, I guess, elsewhere. I know that there was Oklahoma a, what City. about Las Vegas? Uh, I, I, if you look at a map and put all the pinpoints of where everybody is in the 16 teams, even starting next year, it's kind of an isolated area. Uh, Kansas City does a great job hosting the tournament, and until they don't, they deserve to yeah. keep hosting. It, look, Vegas is a great place to host anything. They could host. They're hosting the Super Bowl this year. They'll do a great job. Vegas is the city that hosts things. They host everything. They should host everything, but you know you don't get to just host everything. And you know I I think that part of it is again Kansas City just does such an outstanding job. And when you compare it, Craig and I had to go cover the women's basketball tournament in Dallas, and oh, was... it was. Um, it was no offense to the game. I mean, actually, the game we covered was a really good one. But the um, but the s- scenario and the setting, the AAC was where they played it, and that's really the only place that they can play it. Yeah. And there's there's nothing around the AAC that would makes it as social and as big an event as the Power and Light that is around what I guess is uh, the T-Mobile Center now. And not the Sprint Center. I can't. I can't remember what it is. But whatever the the arenas. Yeah, I don't think Sprint exists anymore. Yeah. So yeah. the T-Mobile Center. So whatever is around there is really cool, and it's it's walkable everywhere downtown. In downtown Dallas, nothing is walkable. Like there's nothing. You're not going to park somewhere. I guess there's a Hooters down the street or whatever. But that's about the only place you can go. How would you know that? We, you and I parked there when we covered the yeah. <laughs> the Mavericks. You got a seat so, reserved there, remember? Yeah. So, yeah. We I know. mean, we're also speaking of like 15 years ago, too. Like, yeah. Dallas has grown up a bit around the AAC. No, like, but, but it's not it's not the power and light district. And, yeah, it's the T-Mobile Center. We should probably know that talking about how great the venue is because they, they bought up Sprint. But um, there's a lot of Vegas talk. And I, I know what you're saying, but, like, they are much closer to Vegas now than they've ever been before with all no, those new schools coming know, into play. I know. But I, I'm as, not going to complain if they yeah. were to go there oh, or no. have a rotating. I mean, but you know what? I do think there is a point in like, hey, why not try to carve out a little niche there? But yeah. everybody's got a niche there for the most part. And you can have a niche is, whenever you want to. Is, if you do something in Vegas, and again, Phil Benzer, who watches us, well, that'd be great. But um, you, you have a place that's done a great job of hosting something. And why would you mess with that? 
Well, I guess they're not trying to. The, you know, the, the Big 12 championship started out, what was it, like Kansas City or St. Louis. It went to Houston. They've been in San Antonio. And they've had some great games around there. And, of course, now you have the perfect stadium, basically, with AT&T, so it makes sense. But I, I know that there's like, yes, but it gives Kansas and Kansas State and Iowa State or whoever an advantage. And I get that, too. But um, – I, I don't. I just. Uh, I, Kansas City does a great job. If they move it, it doesn't bother me. But I'm just saying they've earned the right to keep that going. And your mark apparently, who's willing to look at different options, apparently agrees. My, my suggestion to the Utah fans that want it in Vegas would be: you know what? Get on a plane and hop on to Kansas City, and you'll have a blast. You'll. You'll have a great time. They do it really well. There's lots of stuff to do. I know that sometimes you think think of cities in the Midwest as like, well, what what's there? But Kansas City is a really cool city. They they're it's a, it's a great place to visit. A lot of people in the chat room saying they would. What about every two or three years? I would not. Yeah, be I mean, I don't I don't know yeah. why there's a pushback. I mean, and not at least like looking at Las Vegas for like a year and just mm-hmm. seeing how it goes. I understand the argument is well, they've got everything already, and it's just it blends in, and it's not anything unique and special like it is in Kansas City. That's a valid argument. Um, more people turn up in Kansas City because it is close to Iowa State and Kansas and Kansas State as opposed to when it was in Dallas and it was a ghost town or what it might be in Vegas, but. We gotta pretend like all those people are not still going to Las Vegas to watch their teams well, play basketball. Ve- Vegas uh, is economical to get to, too. So right. it's not so like you got a thousand flights there from yeah, everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. not like you're saying like so go play it in Miami and you're like, oh dear. But here's the thing though, you know? guys, is like it's staying through twenty thirty one. So like that's yeah. the point of yeah. it. But I don't think that like pushing back against the push like what does Utah guy know about Kansas City? What do, what does he care? What is Arizona fan? So like it's valid that they aren't just like okay, sure, Kansas City through twenty thirty one, sign us up. I mean they they have every reason to be a little bit skeptical and wonder like why yeah, don't they join the conference first and experience Kansas City? Because that's not how Twitter works, guys. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. why don't we all just get along? I don't know because yeah. we don't. Uh, but this is again just a conversation on social media. So Brett, your mark. Kansas City through 2031 is what they're working on. So there you go with that. All right, uh, elsewhere, those were all the comments that he, he made on uh, just the, the topics of interest there. So a lot still, I guess, just, uh, you know, in play, uh, but not anything, you know, big to announce as far as of any of these moves and, and still a lot of waiting of scheduling of Gonzaga, whatever else might be coming. Uh, meanwhile, tonight, college football got a trio of games. Liberty, who's had a pretty good year uh, so far at 6-0 and and First place in Conference USA will be taking on Middle Tennessee at 6 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Also at 6.30 tonight, you have Western Kentucky at Jacksonville State on ESPNU. And then South Alabama, sorry Oklahoma State fans, but no, South Alabama, uh, who definitely made their mark on on the Big 12 with that win over the Cowboys, uh, they are at home against Southern Miss at 6.30 on ESPN2, uh, so some Sunbelt action there as well. So, yeah, a trio of games tonight across ESPNU, ESPN2, and CBS Sports Network uh, to get your college football fix. And um, we spent a lot of time talking about the Big 12 stuff, so I'll just mention um, – no, we got – y'all's thoughts on Texas, the Rangers. 2-0 and lead after their win over the Astros. That game was in progress. We were obviously very distracted by very. that. Uh, although we still managed our way through the show, but – uh, I left because I, w- I didn't want to sit here and watch. I wanted to listen to it, and I still got home in time because it, well, it dragged on to the point where I thought I was going to get home just in time to see the extra Astros innings. pull the upset yeah. uh, or send it to extra innings. But the Rangers close it on out. They're up 2-0, and they now head back to Arlington uh, tomorrow, game number three. Uh, what do you guys think so far? I, I'm going to say this. I, a lot of the teams that I like and love, 
None of them are very good. It's exhausting to have a team that's involved in something important, <laughs> and I've got to get myself back in fan shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, True, though. That's a great thing. I'm telling you're you, you're doing fan crunches Man, right now. If you would have yeah. done a blood, I'm, my blood pressure, it doesn't matter if I'm about to die or if I've had a car wreck or just it's one. 15 over like 72. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what it was yesterday at about 6.30. I I, I trust uh, Bruce Bochy to make better managerial decisions than I would. Um, I do think that no one would kick up a fuss if he found another eighth inning guy. Right, um, yeah. Because Aroldis Chapman is just not uh, what he was anymore. Uh, but and just imagine this. If he wouldn't have gotten the first two guys out in the eighth, then the home run would have been a two or three yeah. run home. And or so, so. Um, Jordan Alvarez is very scary, but getting those two wins on the road and being able to go back home and have Max Scherzer pitching tomorrow, uh, I think is enormous. And they have got a psychological advantage over the Astros for the, in the short term that I hope that, that they do take advantage of. Yeah. Um, and the Astros are good. Like, I think that the stress that the Astros fans are going through is that the Astros are clearly a very good team and can very well haul off and get hot and win the World Series. Right. Like they're very good. Yep. But they're better they're, on the road, in fact. But they're not as good as they were before, and that's where it gets frustrating because you know it's just like they're just missing a couple things, and they'll probably the Astros and Rangers are probably in for a four or five year hitch of going back and forth in the league because they're both pretty young teams that have some veterans around, uh, and the Rangers have one of the most exciting young cores of a lineup coming up. So I think this is not the the last time we're going to see this in the postseason. By the way, Jordan Alvarez has six games he's played this postseason. He's hit six home runs. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. What he does? Just start a, walking him. He's a stud, but uh, Rangers got a few of those guys uh, that are that are studs in their own right as well. It's a really fun roster uh, that they put together uh, over this last year, and um, you know moves made before that too. But uh, man, they're just they're a fun bunch to to watch, and so they're up two games to nothing. Game three tomorrow in Arlington, but tonight. NLCS game two, so you got a trio college football games. You also got the Diamondbacks at the Phillies game two NLCS. Phillies lead that series one to nothing, and that will start just after seven o'clock on TBS. And all times that I mentioned are Central Time, since that's where we're located. But um, also, I'll follow it up with this and, and go back and circle back to your mark. Um, not only did he say that. Uh, they're planning on keeping the tournament in Kansas City through 2031. So our arguments about Las Vegas and all that, like that, that's fun for Twitter and all that. But he said that he also added of like all the ideas that they're exploring of how to like further enhance the power and light district. And he mentioned DJ Diesel. We didn't mention that. Or I didn't mention that. Shaq will Great be back country singer. to spin uh, the ones and twos once again for the Big 12 tournament, apparently. Uh, so if you enjoyed that, the last go around, you get more Shaq Diesel or DJ Diesel. Um, but they're not only staying in Kansas City based on what he said. They're looking to like make it better and, and see how they can build off of that. So uh, I'm sure they'll be taking suggestions, especially from the newbies on, on that front. But uh, looking forward to uh, what they can carve out there. And, uh, yeah, there's a few things really on the radar but off the radar. Did you mention Philly, the, the Phillies? Yeah, I just did oh, Okay, that. I will make sure you were. I was responding to somebody's question to me on Twitter. I'm sorry about that. All right, thank you, Craig. Off the radar, John McClain, Hall of Fame writer, will join us a little bit later on. Garrett gave me this earlier today. The Baylor women's basketball team ranked in the preseason top 25. Garrett, thank you very much for that. They're number 19 in the country. LSU, the defending champions, who went on quite the role at the end of last year. Were they unanimous? I can't imagine they weren't unanimous. Probably. Probably one or two votes maybe for Iowa 
or for somebody else. But the uh, uh, number one ranked team in the country, Kim Mulkey and company, coming off the national title. This is 365 Sports. Marco's Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. Bob Mock, the owner, five locations in Waco used to be none. And one of the reasons, now that there's five, it's the fastest growing pizza chain in America. They have five in Waco, and Lord knows how many near you. And if you like Marco's Pizza, you can know how to do it. You go online. You can go pick up the pizza. You can go buy there on your way home, or they will deliver to you with uh, what you want. And that is Marco's Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. Right now, one of the biggest parts of what they do called pepperoni and or sausage, magnifico. Every piece of the pie loaded with product, whether it's pepperoni and sausage or both. There are different, I guess you could say, discounts and codes that you can use if you order online. And some of them giving you a dollar or two or more off of what is the regular price. Salads, sandwiches, drinks, wings, and yes, pizza. Pizza lovers get it. Marco's Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. Five locations, Bell Mead, China Spring, Hewitt, Woodway, and Robinson in Waco, Texas. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Samantha Duball, marketing director for TexasBeefHouse.com. You know all about their great Wagyu beef and product they have. You can go to TexasBeefHouse.com for anything you want to order. But, Samantha, thanks for your time. There's an auction coming up in the month of November. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so November 11th, we're having our first public beef auction. Um, It's going to be here at our ranch in White House, Texas. It's going to be a live auction. You can bid in person. You can bid on the phone or we'll also have it online. And we're auctioning off Wagyu and Angus beef. We'll have 30 to 40-pound bundles. They'll be full of steaks, hamburger, and primals. This is perfect for not only the restaurant owners but also homeowners. So if somebody wants to load up your deep freezer with some great, great product from a place that is just delivering all of the time with Wagyu from their ranch to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. 
At Allen Samuels in Waco, we've got amazing deals that make you ask, why shop anywhere else? During Ram Power Days, get a new 2023 1500 Lone Star 4x4 Crew Cab, $11,000 off MSRP or 2.9% for 72 months. Or choose a new 2023 1500 Laramie 4x4 Crew Cab, $12,500 off MSRP or 2.9% for 72 months. That's right, we're making big deals, so hurry in today. Allen Samuels in Waco, the place to shop Ram Truck. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Brad Wilson. Investing his time and experience back to you and your money during today's changing times. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Earlier today, Sam Khan joined us. The Athletic.com wrote an article about AM and really is this what they have, and this is who they are, and went deep into that. We also asked him some other questions, including one about Dave Aranda and Baylor from Bruce Feldman today. Let me read this on Feldman. He's going over a lot of the coaches. I mean, like almost conference by conference of coaches who – have either struggled this year or are maybe under a little more pressure than even that. Big 12 sources, Feldman wrote, have noted a big drop-off in the Bears' talent level. It's reflected of the 2020 transition class from Rule to Aranda, proven to be sorely lacking, so now Aranda is having to play a ton of young players. As shaky as the last year and a half has been, Word is that Baylor Brass has a lot of faith in Aranda. His deal is extended two years ago when Washington, Oregon, and USC jobs were open. They know the man can coach because they saw him lead the program to his best ever season. The hunch here, this is Bruce Feldman, uh, if things don't perk up in the second half of the season, Aranda might have to make more staff changes, but the belief in him is still strong. Temperature check is lukewarm. I've said this before. Mac Brown had an amazing run at Texas. From the time he took over, he had Ricky Williams. Oklahoma beat him up pretty good a few times. Then he started to turn the corner. Then they, of course, had the once-in-a-lifetime player in Vince Young along with a lot of other great players. But later in his career, he started to have coordinators either leave because they had opportunities or he continued to go through them. Eventually, you look around and you're the only one left in that room there have been coordinator changes, and I think you have to be careful if you have any more because then you're the only one left in the room to blame. Well, he's already changed both coordinators, um, so looking at doing that again uh, this offseason, and, yeah, I, I buy that. I, I don't think that the people in charge particularly uh, want to make a change, and I do think that there is still a lot of belief um, you know, and that's all well and good. I, I hope Dave Aranda is successful, and I hope he gets time to get this righted. Um, but it's just going to take a heck of a lot of convincing if you don't show some uh, marked progress here starting Saturday against Cincinnati coming out of a bye week and with uh, games that follow. You know, we'll see how the results go there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I buy that. I, I don't think that they're on the precipice of firing him or anything. I think they made that we made that clear earlier. Um, but, yeah, also making it clear that the most important thing is winning. Now, you can say all that you want to, but – you know, if you don't win games, that's that's ultimately what it boils down to. So, um, yeah, that that sounds about right to me. Paul, 
I just think that if you go like one and five yeah. down the stretch, no, that no, there's no, not no. going to be people showing yeah. up to your games anymore. And no, I, I, there, I mean, that's that's the that's the thing that I think maybe got lost earlier too. Is it's, it's not about what I think. Like he can't turn it around or he can't do the job. I don't believe that. I just don't think that he's got the time to. Like, just how long is that going to take? You know, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about, like, you're guaranteed next year it's going to be better? Or are we here in the same spot next year? And there's, like, ten people in the crowd at that point because they're so over it all. Yeah. That's that's the part that you're worrying about. You yeah, I, I think that they are – they're looking at, like, it's a, it's a financial thing. Like, what do you – what's worse, like, letting him go and paying the buyout or keeping him – and having no people in the stands because that's that's the hill that they've got to climb because right now there's not people there's fewer and fewer people in the stands each week now look they've got a game coming up next week at home that's homecoming Baylor does a that's their big deal it's a huge event there'll be a lot of alumni coming back so for that one there'll be some people in the stands but there's a good shot for the Houston game especially if Iowa State comes in here and plays very physical and, and beats Baylor, then for that Houston game, it's going to be sparse. Right. Very, very sparse. And they could be up against it record-wise. And then you've got to say, well, how do you get people the butts back in these seats? All right, if they were 4-2, and two, and obviously they would love to be 4-2 and two and lost at Utah and Texas, but if they were 4-2, and two, and let's be brutally honest here, Baylor fans – will support anything that is exciting and or winning. And they also have been very, very, um, to me, resilient because of what they've been through really over the last 12 or 13 years. Would there be much of a difference, though, in some of the attendance of games down the stretch had they gone 4-2 and two rather than 2-4? and four? Um, You know, like, it is. Like, Baylor and TCU are kind of in this weird thing together where, like, the it's hard to tell when there's going to be kind of a, a mediocre crowd or a great one when things are going well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're always going to have that problem, but, like, you can't – you have a baseline that you're able sure. to tolerate, right? And so Baylor knows what that baseline is. They don't want to drop below that to where – because they know what that is. Like, Baylor people who have been around know what the apathy happened here where you could, I mean, park by the stadium. By the stadium at Floyd yeah, Casey. In front of the Grant Trap statue. Yeah. 30 minutes before the game. Yeah. Walk right to your seat. So it's a, it's a little bit different. Okay. All right. I, 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 but I, you're right. When it starts to affect the wallet, no matter what, and everyone understands the situation right now when it comes to Dave Aranda. Yeah, I think we've covered it. Like, is anybody else in the hot seat in the Big 12? Uh, I think we've outlined everything with Aranda, and it, it's it's a solution is simple. Like we've said, you know, he's got to win games. I mean, it's it's, that's, it's it's super simple. That's that's all there is to it. doesn't matter anything else. Go win some games. Beat Cincinnati, and then let's start there. But, you know, we can prognosticate on the attendance and all of that. I'm just, I'm just reading the room, and I feel the temperature, and there is a lot of just not caring right now. There is not excitement for the second half of the season, really, in any way. So um, the only way to change that is to win. And then the only way to change the hot seat talk or cool seat or lukewarm seat is to win or to lose or to whatever. So let's see how it plays out. Let's see how it plays out. All right, and Cincinnati is up next for them on the road, and, and they're in a three-game losing streak too. And then Iowa State, who's all of a sudden gotten themselves at 3-1 and one right behind Oklahoma, will be in Waco 
And I saw a fun tweet from Larry Cyclone fan. He's funny as hell. I don't even know what his real name is. It might be Bart. Uh, about, hey, by the way, dear Mac Rhodes, we are bringing tents, uh, uh, whatever, covers to the game because of what happened a few years ago when they had tents to help shield from the sun and they were asked and they were told they must take them down. It's amazing to me some of the things that people remember and bark about. Yeah, I don't know if that's the reason that they lost that game. Oh, That's what they think, clearly. That's why it's brought up. We would have won besides the, the tent situation. Well, good well, news. It's had- not going to be 100 degrees here. It's going to be nice and cool. So. Yeah. Also, you wouldn't have to... Uh- you know, you, you you can't play the whole game in the tent. So it's not like you can put it over Stop. the 11 guys on the field. They get a first down, and then you move. It's like the chain gang moves the tent Stop. as well. It's going to be hot when they're out there. Sorry, it's just how it is. Uh, by the way, uh, I mean, by the, and that's, that's also that's one of those things that's like, that's college football. It's finding every little advantage yeah. that you possibly can. It's it's painting the locker room visitors visitors locker room pink to get in their heads, right? It's it's doing any number of things. So, yeah, I mean that that, that was Texas turns off the air conditioner. Texas turns off. Yeah, like do we complain <laughs> about that? No, it's just that exclusive game that that tent made the difference between winning and losing because it was so hot outside that that carries on for like years after the fact. I think that's so silly, but. Um, yeah, we won't have to worry about that. It's not going to be uh, hot this weekend so, or when the, when the time comes. I think it would be awesome if Texas like sent a guy in that was like, yeah, and just like kill, like showed him the the old dusty air conditioners, like, oh, you know, she's finicky sometimes, and just like hits it with his elbows, like nothing I can do today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just I mean, walks basically, off. yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, this is a question based on what I mentioned about blood pressure from Bobby B. Yikes, we need to get you on some. Loserton HTZ or the equivalent for that high blood pressure. We don't need you stroking on us at 115 over 77. That's a really good blood pressure. What is yours normally? Well, not that. I mean, I take medicine, so. Craig? I have, I have, I have so it's like 30. I mean, 120 over 80 was always like the, the, like the number you'd want, right? So I don't know, Bobby B. I, I'm telling you, I've been told many, many times that I have great blood pressure, and I hope that always remains the case, if at all possible. Uh, which Power 5 program that hires G.J. Kinney will look very smart? That's from Brock in the chat room. Uh, I, 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 would, like, I think G.J. is going to do a great job at Texas State. I would, I would caution people to let him like, build there and see how it goes over, over a couple years before making that, that hire right away. Um, and that's just so that G.J. Kenny can find himself. He's a young coach, can find himself as a head coach before you say, like, oh, hey, by the way, uh, make the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, they've got a couple of losses, so it's not like they're just, you know, breezing through. But he's been very good. I mean, I think he's he's bound for a, a bigger job at some point. I just don't know if it's one year in San Marcos good. I mean, I, I, well, I, I don't definitely don't think that it is. I, I would want to see a lot more. But, yes, he's certainly an up-and-coming guy that's going to get a lot of attention the more that they just stay the course and the more, you know, again, goes everything goes back to winning. Um, if they finish this year, like, you know, nine and three or ten and two or right. whatever and they win uh the conference and all that then then that'll you know give them more exposure and some more hype and you know just a little bit of that will go a long way but yeah i think it's you know at five and two i think it's too soon to to be calling on you know bigger jobs already but that's 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 in his future for sure it's definitely in his future i just think it's going to take a little bit more time scotty b iowa state fan need to get over the tent stuff that was like literally four years it was ago four it was years a, ago it was it was a parody account it was just it yeah. was from larry no, the but, but that's the thing though it's yeah. like that's still that, but it still itches them that yeah. larry might be joking maybe um 
but I've seen plenty of otherwise like actual tweets, and I can think of like a, an account in particular that's like wildly mad over that still to this day, but they're still mad about Corey Coleman, you know, punking him with a kick return like 10 years ago when they were up by 70 by, to seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that still was, but that was, that preceded the 10th thing. Now the 10th thing's the new thing to be mad at, I guess. I don't know. Blood pressure 115 over 77 is excellent. Um, there was see. also the, uh, the Baylor's players were dirty in Ames that one year, even though Iowa State's players were doing the exact same things, basically, but they ca- captured, like, the one moment that it didn't look that way. Yep. So there's, that there's the always David a Montgomery fight? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, was, that was all Baylor's fault, but that's, that's you know, Iowa State has, that a, has a hatred a, for sure. That was during a time when Baylor couldn't breathe without somebody criticizing them. They both acted like idiots by fighting. From Brock, didn't Aranda have zero head coaching experience when they hired him? Reason why... I say Kenny is a home run hire because of his offensive prowess. Offensive gurus are so valuable. Uh, Aranda has as much experience as a head coach as he does with G.J. Kenny. Of course, Kenny, as Craig mentioned, Incarnate Word did a great job and now beat Baylor early straight up uh, at Texas State. Yeah, but I think the point is that G.J. has had coaching experience if he were to get hired at a job, whereas Aranda came in with zero. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's valid if they were to look that direction, but he's not getting fired uh, anytime realistically right now and uh gj's you know building up that resume and sam marcus and i'm sure he'll have a lot more than just baylor you know in the future calling upon him but i would think that that'd be a logical place you'd look amongst other places um and like i said he's he's definitely going to be in some bigger places when all is, is said and done yeah all right from kim and also metal metal mac Rhodes is a great ad i'm sure he has everything covered mac's a smart guy i gotta believe he can't stand or will accept losing Thank you to all who are in the chat room. We appreciate all of your feedback coming up. Hall of Fame columnist John McClain, and this is 365 Sports. So Saturday, after playing a round of golf, I went by Don Schumador and Coffee Beans just off of Valley Mills in Waco. And um, they had these pictures on the wall behind the counter where you pay for your product, whether it's a CBD or THC, which they have for those who have really severe and chronic pain, some gummies. Uh, and then, of course, cigars. And I bought I bought some Rocky Patel. I love that brand. I love the guy that does. In fact, it's named after, too, for what he has done uh, over his lifetime. And then I saw these pictures. Nice, nice pictures. Adrian Peterson, Albert Pujols. Uh, there was one with Nolan Ryan with the bloody lip when somebody hit a ground ball back up the middle. And they had tags on each of those pictures for what the price would be. And they were not very expensive. It all depends on what you think is expensive. These are nice, nice pictures, and all of them with a certificate of authenticity that they had behind the counter. So, yes, they have cigars, and they have CBD, and they have THC, and pipes, and tobacco, and all of that. But they also have had some really nice pictures, and I like to collect them at times. And so I bought the Adrian Peterson picture. Uh, Albert Pujols, Hall of Famer, soon to be, among many others. And Nolan Ryan, of course, you can never go wrong with that. So they now have some pictures, collectibles behind the counter. Don Chimador and Coffee Beans with Carol, Ashley, and Cheyenne in the Townwood Shopping Center off Richland Drive in Valley Mills in Waco. 
pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with NFL Hall of Fame columnist John McClain. Brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus and best in metal, steel, and pipe for large or small projects. With two locations in Waco and Bryan. Family owned and operated since 1943. Read John's work at sportsradio610.com. John McClain, Hall of Fame columnist with us. 365 Sports. John, for many, many years, as you know, Nebraska football, like almost in some cases, ran college football. They were always going to win 9, 10, or maybe a national championship. And during that time as a fan, I never bragged about them. And I'm not going to bring up the Rangers and the Astros with you either. How? Well, you should. The Rangers are doing a great I, job. I, I know. Rangers I, did, are going to win I, I was joking, but my question is, they're better on the road. Is there panic in Houston? No, because uh, there's there's not going to be panic even if they lose this game in their zero and three. People thought, people know they were terrible at home this year. For no no team with a losing record at home has ever gone to the World Series. They've been terrible at home in the playoffs. I was there yesterday. Oh, cool! It was amazing to me when they how bad Fromber Valdez was, and they were in position to win three times at late in the game, 
and he couldn't hit. Rangers pitching was great. It's the Rangers who are playing like a team that's a perennial playoff and World Series contender. It's the Astros that are playing like it's their first one because they they can't drive runners home. 0-6 with runners in scoring position. Yesterday, 1-9 and in the two games, and they're swinging at bad pitches. They're making errors in the field, base running blunders. They're just horrible. But my column that I have I'm working on right now says they have the Rangers right where they want them, on the road. They were hoping to steal one at home before they went to Globe Field. It's amazing how the difference between the home and the road has been this year, and it doesn't matter whether it's the playoffs, but I got a feeling the Rangers are built to last. Bruce Bochy has done such an incredible job since they blew the division and the bye, and uh, on the last day, just incredible run. And if the Rangers beat them, as they should, then I wish them the very best against uh, probably the Phillies. John, um, there's a lot of hand-wringing about Dusty Baker's lineup choices, particularly his choice at catcher. Do you think that that's going to change at all? No. Dusty's been doing that all along. Two two pitchers, Justin Verlander and Robert Valdez, want Martin Maldonado. Martin can't hit any better than you can, Paul, but and he can't throw and he can't frame and he led the league in pass balls, but they feel more comfortable him at catcher than Yiner Diaz. Next year Yiner, who hit like two eighty five, had over twenty homers in a part time ball, sixty RBIs, he will be the catcher. I'm scared they're gonna bring back Maldonado on a one year contract to mentor Yiner Diaz. And I want him gone. He's 37 years old. He's going to be a coach and a manager. Let him do that. This is a complaint people have had here all year, especially with the emergence of Diaz. But it's not going to change. And Yiner's over his last 15 with eight strikeouts. So keep his butt on the bench and make sure Michael Brantley is either at the DH or left field rotating with Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, John, you get to go to these games. You've covered sporting events your entire life. You've been at some of the you've been to Super Bowls. We've all been to Super Bowls and all that. It, it what is the the one atmosphere that to you is the one that was always like that stood out among hundreds, I'm sure, of games you've attended. It's it's not the Super Bowl because there's so many fans of other teams there, and uh, I've been to several Final Fours. And that was too, but to me, the home visitor role in sports. Um, my favorite venue is Lambeau Field. You can't be going to Green Bay for an atmosphere. And it's not like, say, New York or Philadelphia or New England or any of those places where the fans are cutting and fighting in the stands. That's not the way it is. I always tell everybody, you go to Lambeau Field in Canton, Ohio, then you've gone to the two cathedrals. And I love going there. There are some places that are loud, but I would think some of those indoor advantages in basketball, college, not the pros, because the pros fans drink so much and they get drunk and they don't make noise like they do in college. That's why I can't wait to see Baylor, because Baylor's going to be good in that new venue, which is going to be reduced to make it even louder. I hope the acoustics were made, were built and made to make it the loudest possible. Can't wait to see the advantage the Bears have. John, the Texans uh, get another nice win this time over the Saints. You know, it 
the you know you look at the stats and, and nothing spectacular, but what is D'Amico Ryan's kind of instilled in the team that uh, allows them to be a lot more gritty than they were before? Confidence in the coaching. They're three and three. They're three and one in the last four games. Should be four and zero oh because they blew the Atlanta game in Atlanta on the last drive when they couldn't stop them and Atlanta kicked a field goal with no time left. So they're not going to get out coached. And they may get out talented because they don't have nearly as much talent coming up next year. They're going to have between 80 and 100 million for free agency. And, uh, they still have Cleveland's number one pick and other draft choices. And it's amazing. I think right now, let's see, uh, I think, I guess Cleveland's three and two. So their pick would still be ahead, but, uh, it wouldn't surprise me the way the Browns are playing, especially. If Deshaun Watson stays out as great as their defense is, that they don't have a record worse than the Texans and they play here uh, in December, which could be a big game for draft purposes. So the Texans are playing a lot of confidence. People are excited to go to NRG Stadium again. One of the coolest things about the baseball game yesterday, I was there. And after every team lets the home team go out, warm up, and right before the first pitch, they have usually a little kid down the sideline screaming, play ball, and they're shrieking in high-pitched voice. And they went down and said, let us call your attention down the left-field line for a special presentation from Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud and defensive end Will Anderson, Jr. And the fans were even worked up, of course, anyway. But they gave them a really good ovation. And I think they would, number one, have been invited in the past because people probably would have booed. And in this case, people cheered them. And I'm thinking, I hope those guys are paying attention to this atmosphere because if they keep winning, whether it's this year or next year, it's going to be the same kind of atmosphere at NRG Stadium. John, uh, you mentioned if Deshaun Watson stays out. Uh, I know that they thought he might be back sooner. Is that injury more severe, or is there something else going on with Deshaun Watson? No, he's got a shoulder injury. And just like Anthony Richardson, they said, well, he's going to be out three or four weeks. Now he's out for the season, and he's needing surgery. Now, they're not saying that about Watson. There's one report from a longtime beat writer in Cleveland said he could miss multiple games. Adam Schefter said he could play Sunday. Well, you know what? One of them's going to be right, and then neither one of them's going to be wrong because they didn't say for sure. So the thing is, nobody has a clue how how long Sean Watson is going to be out. But if P.J. Walker is their starting quarterback, they're in trouble. They might. They can't trade for Kirk Cousins. You can't do anything for any quarterback who makes a lot of money because you have Watson, two hundred thirty million on the books, and the biggest cap figure in the NFL next year. So they're going to have to tough it with a defense that's given up the fewest yards since nineteen seventy one. John, did you have any particular takeaways from Dallas's victory last night over the Chargers? Yeah, I think the Cowboys are going to get, they're going to compete for the division. The Eagles, you know, it's funny. And then other than the Patriots, no Super Bowl losers that back to the Super Bowl since the Steelers in the 90s. Crazy. And there's a reason. You would think the Super Bowl loser would be the hungriest team in football. So it doesn't surprise me that they're not operating on all cylinders, losing to the Jets and having Jalen Hurts with a worse rating than Zach Wilson is just mind-boggling. Now they get Miami. Maybe they were looking ahead to Miami, but Cowboys still got a chance to win the division. But I haven't seen anything there that makes me think they're a Super Bowl contender. But the big deal is 
of course, they're the last great team that we all thought was going to be a great team, the 49ers, not only did they lose to T.J. Walker with a rating of 40-something, but uh, they lost Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, so now they'll have to learn. They'll, learn, they'll have to operate like other teams that suffer injuries all the time. So there's not a great team right now. Miami and Tuatunga Valoa, they throw the ball great. Wait till they get in the wind and the rain and the and the and the snow, and we'll see how that offense operates uh, when the season changes. All right. So one of the things about that game last night that blew me away, Paul and I were trading text messages. Justin Herbert is like if you had somebody that came out of a machine as a quarterback, he's kind of got that body, the look, and all that too, and the arm. I was stunned how erratic he was, and yes, there was pressure on him. But I was really stunned that also his escapability is either not as good as it was or he doesn't have it. Like, And I'm not expecting him to run around like Josh uh, Allen. But I was really dis- I was like really disappointed with how he handled a lot of the key moments in that game. And I'm with you. He's a really good runner. He's, he can run. But he doesn't have pocket presence. And a lot of that is how much you get hit. Offensive line play is down around the league. Offensive line needs to hit in the offseason more than any area of the team, and they can't do it. And then they're getting hurt. So many offensive lines have injuries. That affects the running game. It affects the quarterback. And you're seeing quarterbacks get hit more than ever. Touchdowns are down from 30, down 30 at this time from last year and 100 from two years ago. So the offense has got to catch up. And coaches will tell you it all starts up front. I think I read that's four or five times now Herbert has been had a chance to bring them from behind to win, and he's failed. And, of course, he threw that interception last night. You know the Cowboys were relieved. They knew they were lucky to win that game. They could easily have lost. But Justin Herbert right now, I believe, is headed for a coaching change in the offseason. I thought Kellen Moore would go out there and help him play better. But that hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, Garrett just sent me this tweet. Um, Roger Goodell, uh, contract extension. uh, That's going to bring his career earnings to $700 million. John, I I felt like a couple years ago, it it seemed like he was setting up to transition out of it. But has it just gone so well for him that, like, why quit now when you're making all this money? And when the NFL owners are making all this money, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg on the money they make. He gets paid bonuses. His base salary is not that big, and he earns every penny of it. And, and at one point, remember, and it usually came with a player discipline that people wanted him fired because it was an embarrassment, the decisions he was making on suspending players. And so they, they rode that out, and now everything is going so great. TV rates, streaming services, gambling's going to bring in $100 million. Why in the world would you want to get rid of the guy it's overseeing it all. All right, uh, John, we appreciate you as always. Thank you so much for your uh, great insight and experience and storytelling. We can't wait to talk to you again next week. Second Bears in Cincinnati. Thank yes, sir. you. John McClain with us every Tuesday at 530. And his NFL knowledge and insight, his ability, his recollection is great. And his, uh, his sources are incredible. Yeah, I mean, that was a good win for Dallas last night. We didn't really talk about it, mm-hmm. but um... – I, I too, was just kind of jaw-dropping, like, how 
pathetic Justin Herbert was at times in that game. I was just like, are you trying to win the game? I don't. Yeah. I can't tell that you are. It doesn't look as though you're trying to win this game. But Dallas needed that win, and and they got it. And Dak looked a little bit better, so I guess that that's a positive. But I don't. I don't know that you feel like oh well, they, they've turned the corner and they're they're back on track now or, or however you would you would you know view okay. that I think it was a it was a nice win you'd rather have it than not have it obviously but there's still a lot of work to be done. Man, okay. they would have been three and three though. No, yeah. that, but, that was a big deal. Okay, coming up the next two weeks uh, after the bye are the Rams and at Philly. Then they get the Giants, Panthers, and Commanders in the next three. So Panthers stink. In that yeah, the Panthers are, are really bad, but. How about this stretch from Thanksgiving to the second to last week of the season? Seattle, Philly, at Buffalo, at Miami, and Detroit. You know what's weird about that is when the when the schedule came out, what was it, April, May, April, whatever it was, there are games that you look at then based on what you know at that time that you're not so concerned about. Dan Campbell's turned Detroit into a 5-1 and one team and all that. But there are games that you thought would be a problem – that aren't by the time the season gets to you because the NFL is so up and down. And then there are some games you're like, oh, that's going to be okay. And then all of a sudden, you're like, my God, it's a gauntlet. What did, what did Dan Campbell say the other day? Somebody asked him, do you feel like you're like you, you, you can people doubt you and then you're sneaking up on people? He goes, I'm not sneaking up on anybody. I'm knocking at your front door. Yeah, I love <laughs> like, that. I love yeah. that. Hey, one quick note before we break for Paul's top five. This is from Ross Dellinger. Uh, uh, A.D. Jack Swarbick of Notre Dame suggesting collective bargaining. And creating something new where you the athletes make the concession that we're not full-time employees, but we're getting a, you know, a profit-sharing deal. Look, if they can figure that out, great. Uh, because, again, they, they've got to stop waiting for Congress to intervene. They, they have to. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, this was their 10th meeting, apparently, today, yeah, and was. nothing has changed whatsoever, except for maybe, like, a few feelings here and there, but in the grand scheme of things, nothing's changed, um, you know, as far as actual real rules being put in place and real guardrails, so, yeah, uh, this isn't working, uh, this isn't, what, what, how, it's kind of like the, how long are you going to go, like, are we going to go 40 meetings deep before we decide, like, hey, maybe we should try something different, like, how, how long do you want to go, how much grace period do you have? Like, Pac-12 meetings. So, bro. yeah, I mean, um, I think that if you're smart about it, then, you know, especially in somebody like his position, well, you know you're going to be fine regardless. I mean, you know you're going to find a way as Notre Dame. And he's stepping down, though, right at the end right. of the year. So he's not even going to be a part of it. But, you know, I'd imagine Notre Dame feels good about all of their options, whether that's remaining independent in the foreseeable future or if finally, like, the years and years and years and years of predictions that Notre Dame's going to join a conference. There's going to be somebody who's been predicting this for, like, 15 years. Is going to go, see, I told you. Yeah. I told you they're going to join a conference. It's like, yeah, you said that initially in, like, 2006, and so yeah. it doesn't really count in 2023. Anyways, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be, though – I think out in front of them, they're going to have some big decisions to make, but Notre Dame as a whole is going to be fine. Um, and I think that they are somebody that can manage well in that that arena of CBAs and whatever that, that might be able to look like because they've got the big kahunas behind them. But it's not going to be for everybody. But it's not going to be feasible. But cool that he's fine and yet he's trying to find a solution? I kind of like that. Well, I mean, it's what yeah. you should be doing. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. saying because most people are well, greedy. It's a fairly radical notion. But if we could find a way to reach binding agreements with our student-athletes, most of this goes away. 
Um, we don't have a mechanism of collective bargaining without them becoming employees. It would require a new mechanism that would recognize the rights of student-athletes to negotiate for the terms and conditions of their participation as athletes without being employees. Um, I think it's worth considering. Yeah, there you go. I, I, I think so. And look, uh, maybe Jack Swarbrick can be one of those guys that you bring on in kind of a committee role, right, where yeah. it's, all right, no, so – Look, you suggested this. You're on the committee figuring this out since you don't have to worry about, you know, making Notre Dame Notre Dame. Anymore. I hate committees. Uh, I, I think there's too many of them. I think that people just walk in the room, get something done, but I know that that's asking for way too much. Well, I mean, I just hope they, they figure out the uh, right route to go and, and realize that, yeah, I mean, I guess pleading to politicians is probably not going to get the job done, uh, at least not expediently. And so good to hear I suppose that, you know, some of the, the big movers and shakers, even if he's going to be moving on, on out, uh, I'm sure he'll still be, you know, an uh, advisor and, you know, all yeah. these other things. Um, so, yeah, maybe he's got a role as that for whatever organization's in charge here. And, the, the, like, that's the thing. There's so many questions about how all this is going to look moving forward. But this is the big piece that they've got to get figured out to have any idea of where to even, you know, move on and, and, and keep going. So, uh, yeah, uh, 10 meetings in, I think that you, you got to start taking it into your own hands at this point. And, and if that means giving some concessions and having a CBA that's not really a CBA per se because you call it something different or whatever, then, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that that should very much be on the table right now. When we come back, Paul Catalina's top five, and this is 365 Sports. Unite Private Networks. Why choose them? Here's the differences between them and your normal fiber optic business great internet. This is just business internet. There's no residential customers, so you're not sharing with everyone in the neighborhood. We were doing that here. Uh, it's protected fiber service. Again, it's your own line. It's dedicated symmetrical upload and download with speeds up to 10 gigabytes per second. So uh, you can have the fastest internet you can possibly imagine. And no matter what you're doing, it's going to go the same speed. At it's carrier-grade equipment at customer uh, premise, UPS, battery-backed-up internet service. We've experienced that, and we've experienced their white-glove customer service because in the now five months since we've had them, we had one uh, little problem, which was actually our computer and not the internet. And then we had a brownout, and when we came back on the air, we were able to go right back to the same show, same YouTube uh, feed. Usually that means the show's kind of over because we had to go into a different channel and start a new one. Well, not because uh, we had that UPS battery backed up service and their customer service, ring, ring, hey, how can I help you? Nope, here's the problem, do this, boom, fix, as opposed to sitting on the phone. I sat here one night from 5.30 p.m., we went off the air, uh, because we couldn't get back on the internet until 7.05 to get the, well, we'll send a guy on Monday. Like, oh, thank you from our previous carrier. That's not what happens at Unite Private Networks. Go to UnitePrivateNetworks.com over here in Waco. Call my good buddy Ace, 254-803-7070. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC. 
FDIC an equal housing lender. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa drap, son, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Next in line. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top five teams who have not met the hype this season. Here we are at the halfway point for most everybody. Um, And Garrett, you're not going to like number five. But they haven't. He would have put them at one. Uh, number five, LSU. Now, look, this is a team that can still win its side of the conference and win the SEC. But with two losses already at this point in the season, they have taken themselves pretty much out of the college football playoff dis- discussion for this year. And that was the thought going in that LSU Garrett would be in the CFP. Yeah, I think that uh, was the expectation. It's really frustrating. And it's it's kind of when you look at how everything went with the baseball team, you had the second year, you had Kim Mulkey the second year, and that narrative with Brian Kelly. Unfortunately, um, things just aren't clicking. I think the negligence of how they use Harold Perkins hurt them. Uh, you've had some injuries as well. They just don't have a breakout fast running back that can get away from some people. Uh, so I think just – a little small adjustments will help, but yeah, definitely uh, not the expectations going into the season. Yeah, I think it's yeah. They, they clearly are five and two. They're not uh, I mean, undefeated. They're not in the playoff picture right now. Yeah, they, that's not what was expected uh, from Brian Kelly in year two. So, uh, like you, Garrett said, though, I mean, they can still win a lot of you know they can win the SEC. Um, that's still on the table, but they can't afford to have another blemish uh, that starts to play with fire. So yeah, they're, they're going to be. And their offense is really good. Uh, they don't have the the star running back like you no. said, though. But the, outside of that, the offense is pretty stinking good. It's just the defense is not, and um, and they, there's more to be desired uh, in the run game. But, I, yeah. I think you've gone soft with them because of oh, LSU relationship with Gary. Oh well, look number. We'll see. We'll see what you think about the rest of them. Right. Num- number four. Look, they only have one loss at this point, but Tennessee, uh, I think. Uh, 
you know, just the way that they look, and they haven't gotten to the teeth of their schedule really either. But they – and look, two good seasons back-to-back for them is better than what's going on. But I thought – and maybe my disappointment is not so much in Tennessee as a whole. It was I was riding the Joe Milton. This is the guy, you know, Josh Heupel's the one who can use him in this ridiculous arm the best. But he's just so all over the place and – Tennessee is not able to to look like they were last year and they don't have Brew McCoy and they already lost a couple of really great wide receivers and uh, Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyde to the draft uh, this last year. But Tennessee, uh, you know, as far as the team that can contend against Georgia until they show up and Joe Milton beats them uh, later on, I, I don't I just don't I don't see I don't see them meeting the expectations coming into the year. Uh, well, I mean, they could go out and beat Alabama this weekend yeah. and that could you know, flip it. all that on its head. I mean, that's a huge rivalry game and um they would be what five and one or six and one and be bowl eligible with the win against Alabama. So uh it would mean going and, and winning in Tuscaloosa, I know, but man, it, it's I, I, I just think the the problem here with Tennessee is just that they were so hyped up last year. It's like everywhere you looked, it was Hendon Hooker, Hendon Hooker, Heisman, uh, Tennessee, Josh Heupel, uh, Jalen Hyatt, you know, Blitnikoff, all like, and so those guys just got so much exposure. And the fact that they hadn't been that good in a while, like, put it even further under the microscope and uh, scope and blew it up and and made it even bigger. So they would have had to have come just like unleashing hell right out of the gates to to match that you know kind of excitement from a year ago so yeah I think it's a slower start um, but I don't know that they haven't lived up to expectations just yet just because they've only got to one loss and if they go beat Bama this weekend you'd have had wins over Bama and Florida and they lost to Florida or, or, so yeah, he lost to Florida. Outside of the loss to Florida, I mean, you have win, UTSA, which was, you know, kind of looking like a weird non-con potentially, although UT, uh, UTSA is not what we thought they'd be. But South Carolina, you'd have a win over them. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. But, yeah, th- there's just not as much firepower as there was a, a year ago for sure. Yeah, and maybe it is not fair to say Tennessee, but maybe Joe Milton I thought would be yeah, that's uh, fair. A, a lot better. He but, throws it far, guys. Did, did you he, know that? Why did he leave Michigan? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Sometimes, though, it's not – I, maybe it just wasn't the right system. You no, know, like I that's get, what I, I think. That. Like it's just. I always and you when can I find watched it, him a gun, an absolute gun, but kind of hit and miss. Yeah, yeah. He's he's nuke Lelouch, That's for sure. Number three, Texas Tech. By the way, it's the second Bull Durham uh, reference I made yes, today. You have. Uh, Texas Tech, this team was really hyped so much so that Joey McGuire even admitted to you when you interviewed him, Smokey, that. You know, he asked his team, did I did I ride the hype train a little mm-hmm. bit too much and put too much pressure on you guys? And they've had injuries at the quarterback position. Uh, but, again, to me, they – I don't, like, not much of my opinion has changed about them because they very much look like a team that's in year two of a, of a system. And Joey McGuire's doing some things in the recruiting trail they haven't done. They've got one of the best NIL collectives going that – uh, is set up and ready to go. So while they haven't met the hype, I would caution people on saying that none of this is ever going to work just because they maybe um, they maybe did a little of this to themselves um, a little bit. But if you look at the reality of the situation, they're probably right around where they, they would be in year two. Yeah, you're sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, if he doesn't hype them up 
clearly he thought they were going to be pretty good and, and still probably feels that way, although injuries are impacting that. But um, if you don't and you downplay it, I mean, I guess there's some positives to that, but you're also trying to go get Micah Hudson and you're trying to like build something to make it exciting and, you know, have it be the end-all, be-all. And so you feel like you got a team to go compete for a Big 12 title, throw gasoline on that sucker, like make the expectations known. And so I don't, I don't blame him for that, but I do think that that probably um, – it makes the losing that much harder because then all of a sudden everybody's jacked up expecting such great things. And when it's not exactly that way, then it feels like twice, maybe the disappointment that it otherwise would have been right without all of the the push behind it. But yeah, I mean, it's been disappointing. They're under 500. Uh, they very well may be even further uh, after the trip to Provo this weekend. I don't think that there's, I mean, UCF you think would be as close to a guaranteed win as you could find on this schedule at home uh, towards the end of the year. But, you know, TCU, KU, Texas are still on the schedule. So, yeah, man, they're going to have their work cut out for them to go 3-2 and two in these final five. And that that game this Saturday in Provo is going to be a huge step towards that. I think if they win that game, they'll probably find a way to get into the postseason. But if they lose to BYU, it's really hard to see how that's going to be possible for them because they'd have to go four. Uh, no, 3-2. Uh, Two down the stretch, and well, they're three and four, right? Yeah. So five it, games left. They have to win three more of the five. Yes, yeah, so they have to go three and one if they lost to BYU this weekend. So that that would be tough. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, uh, and I don't know what's going to happen by them. You never know what happens, but you know that they are ready to roast oh, yeah. in Austin. Like they they've been like they've got other things and other bigger fish to fry. But that's like a game that then that week comes, and you hope it's a hell of a game. But that. That could be an ambush right there. Not an ambush, but it, it could be it could be a tough week. Yeah, absolutely. Number two, Texas A and M, um, and they're going to be on all the disappointing lists because they're again paying ten million dollars for a coach, uh, and they're they're getting not ten million dollar production. And Sam Khan really put it great earlier in the show. If if you missed that, please go back and and watch it. Um. A thousand times if you want to, if you're an AM fan. Uh, but it was, there are all these things, you know, if the recruiting ratings are true, and and most of the time they appear to be at least close, if they've got all these players and they're still hitting the same wall, like he's got a worse record through the same amount of games than Kevin Sumlin did at this point. And Kevin Sumlin was, uh, he, while he improved the recruiting at A&M, he is um, not to the level that Jimbo Fisher is. So A&M's still caught in this void of, of just being good and not great, uh, and this team may not even be good. I mean, they, they really, depending on how it fin- finishes out, they may not wind up being good again, and then that means you have to find $76 million because you're paying it to Jimbo Fisher one way or the other. So, you know, um, it, that's they are, again, disappointing, and they may not get to even their baseline of 8 and 4 you. Yeah, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, and 8-4 uh, and four is kind of hard to see right now, but... Yeah, I don't know what gives here. You know, we uh, talk about the hot seat and, and buyouts and all that type of stuff. That's a large chunk of change. I don't care about oil prices. That's still $76 million freaking dollars. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. And, and what are we doing? Like, what are we even doing? What kind of contract is that? I mean, yeah. what the hell? That couldn't be better spent somewhere else. Like, you couldn't find a, a coach anywhere that couldn't have done that for, like, half the price tag. Mm-hmm. It had to be Jimbo. It had to be that much money guaranteed. Um, so yeah, there's, there's part of me that kind of loves that it's blowing up in their face, you know, because that just seems so ridiculous, but I know that's, that's the business and, uh, I, I respect them, you know, going all out, but, uh, yeah, it's not going the way that they, they thought and they're not getting the, the return but on investment. Like you said, do you trust them 
that let's say he's gone. No. Do I you mean, trust them to not go money whip somebody else? Well, here's the thing I will say. that They seem to have learned slowly from each hire and added a different, like, if you were clicking a skill set box, they just, they the one they, they thought they had on Jimbo Fisher was that he was an offensive guru, but he's not anymore. He right. was. Did they, want, did, did they want him because he was uh, a banger, uh, national publicity, or because he was the right coach at the time they needed? I, look, I, I don't even know if that came into play. I think Bo, I think he, look, and if they were going to hire, like it made sense. If you want to win a national championship, go hire somebody who's won one recently. And he was the one who was available. And at the time, like even though 2017 FSU was slipping a little bit, like, you know, the, there was no reason to think that he wasn't going to keep winning at FSU. And then <laughs> kind of all these cracks have shown up in the armor recently because, you know, he and Dabo Sweeney might have a little bit of the same thing where they did. They just don't want to change. Robert, uh, Whale gear, uh, 150, I hope they said that right, 150 to get rid of an existing staff, 200 million for a new staff, no matter how much they love football, these people yeah. are businessmen. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah That's it is crazy. It is Man, crazy. And, and look, A&M is in, they're in a prison of their making by negotiating against themselves. They're the ones and, that keep resetting the bar yeah, and keep like, raising it. And it's like you're fighting yourselves and yeah. you're making it worse for everybody, you morons. But, you know. Yeah. Look, if he wants to leave and find somebody who's going to pay more money, then sometimes you just got to let them. You got to let them do that. Yeah, exactly, man. Just got to let them. Dare them. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. They're going to give you the deal we have. Fine. See go. you later. And guess yep. what? You'll have a lot of money to go find another coach yeah, <laughs> rather exactly. than paying it to the guy to leave your institution. Yeah. Yep. And number one, uh, yes. USC. Absolute look. No brainer. They are... They were supposed to be, you know, this was, okay, Caleb Williams, year two at USC, year three overall, um, you know, back-to-back, like Chase and Archie Griffin. The defense is better because they went and got the players in the transfer portal. But overall, and I think this is Lincoln Riley's coaching style, he needs to get a dude with him who brings physicality, who coaches that. He's the finesse guy, and that works out great to a certain point. But when you see when they lose – um, look, the Utah losses last year and the and the Tulane losses, I think the differences in those very close losses that were shootouts was when Tulane and Utah had to get physical, they made it physical. When Georgia beat them in that ridiculous shootout, Georgia got physical when they, when they had to get physical. And USC can't do that. And Notre Dame started out physical. Yeah, they they yeah. were in a cage match from the jump, and USC is like, I don't know if we signed up for this. Yeah. And that's where he's got to change. So he has to bring somebody, a defensive coordinator on, who just has that attitude. I, on the earlier show, I said, look, the offense is Hollywood. It fits them. Like, the offense is totally Hollywood. they got to get better up front. But offense is totally Hollywood, and the defense is Bakersfield. All right. they got to make uh, it match it up. Did he also take the strength and conditioning coach from Oklahoma with him? I don't remember that. I mean, usually they do. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not but, sure um, if they did or not. Okay. Yeah. Greg, any thoughts about USC? We wrap it up. No, uh, other you know, I think he kind of just hammered yeah. it home. Uh, yes, I mean, I, I still say though they they've lost one game. Yeah, <laughs> they lost one game. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's still fine, but it's not good, and it's definitely not great. And that's what you expected was great with Caleb Williams returning and and all that that came with uh, their off season. So yeah, it's it's a letdown that they lost. Uh, to Notre Dame, and I think the bigger letdown is the way that they lost to Notre Dame. Uh, that was the big part. If you lost like 
Oregon lost to Washington. That's one thing. Right. Losing like you lost to the Irish the way that you did. That was that was the big bad part of the weekend for Lincoln Riley and the Trojans. Thank you to Bobby B. Uh, Paul, thanks for the top five. And also Texas Beef House, the sponsor. Bobby B. Super Chat. Thank you, gentlemen. Yet another great show. $9.99. Thank you. Appreciate always, it. always well done. And then one note from Brock. I don't see how you can collectively bargain with 130-plus FBS schools and the extreme disparities that exist between programs across the spectrum. Yeah, that's, well, that's why, it's, why creative. it's only football uh, that you're talking about. And uh, I guess men's basketball would somehow enter the mix. But uh, Bobby, is that what you said, right? Bobby B. Um, Bobby B, that's also where the big split comes in. No, I that, think. that was from Brock. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, well, Brock, well, that's where the big split comes in. Because, no, not everybody's going to be able to do that. And, and yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot that needs to be fleshed out from that. But that is where the haves and have-nots, I think, will be the most glaring separation between those two categories that, that we've seen up until this point would be if you start getting into that that realm of CBAs and things like that to pay athletes because there would undoubtedly be a number of schools that are like, all right, we're out. Like, what's the other option where we don't have to pay players and agree to contracts and, like, let's do that, like the real college football the way we've known it uh, versus this new thing. And then Ohio State and Texas and Michigan and all, you know, Big Twelve, Big Ten, SEC – they can go do their their super thing, yeah. and that's that's maybe where you see that that crack come into play. All right, back tomorrow, and uh, we have guests throughout the show, and we'll of course have those up at some point tomorrow in the late morning, early afternoon for Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke for uh, Jack, also for Owen today. Walker dropped by today. Emery and Levi today. Yes, and Garrett too from today. We always appreciate Garrett. Our great sponsors tonight, 1030 on the CW, 365 Sports Tonight. I'm David Smoke. Have a great evening. MRI is a small family business.